Hello and welcome to episode 35 of In PS We Trust. My name's Davey and joined with me as always is Phil. To be the man, you've got to beat the man. Guys, I'm going full Ric Flair for this episode. I am hyped. It's going to be amazing to have Lewis on later on in the episode. Join us for the final topic. It's going to be a great one, guys. Woo! And Spencer, you're also here too. Yeah, I don't have as much to say as Phil did, but I will also join his vibe. Woo! Let's go, boys. So we are on episode 35 of the best PlayStation podcast. In fact, actually voted number six of the top 15 podcasts of 2022. So thank you ever so much for everyone who's been putting reviews on um, and putting stuff on Spotify, which we've been asking you to do. Thank you ever so much. We're five-star rated and from an independent uh, forum thing that we saw we're ranked number sixth. So I really appreciate that. Sure, that means that there's potentially five podcasts better than us, but as long as you don't find out about those, then you're still here, listener. And I appreciate that. So guys, as Phil said, we got a lot to go through today. We got a lot of stuff. We got a special guest, a Lewis Potato Chief himself, the Xbox aficionado, is coming in to discuss all about the hot topic, which is, of course, the Xbox acquisition. But before we get to that, what are you drinking today, guys? Spencer, bring us in. All right, so it's payday today. And for the first time since paydays have existed, I've got one. I've actually been paid today, so I thought I'd treat myself. And usually when people treat themselves, they just go to a shop and they'll think, what's, what's a nice mid-bottle of whiskey? Because that's treating yourself, you just you don't get the low one. Except I'm, I'm built different. I thought I'd treat myself, and the first thing that I thought about buying was just a fat crate of buds. <laughs> and that's how I'm treating myself tonight, boys. I got 24 Budweiser's. Let's go, mate. Nice to see you back on the old faithful. That carried you through like the first 20-odd episodes of this podcast, if Budweiser. So good to see you back. How does it taste? Is it a sensation? It's like it's a long-distance relationship, and I haven't been able to see her for months. And finally, she's travelled down come to visit me and she's legs open i'm just i'm <laughs> oh for our audio listeners you're lucky you didn't have to see that you're so lucky you didn't have to see that oh my god and i'm god. keen <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus what about yourself phil what are you on yeah moving on swiftly <laughs> um guys i'm drinking the tolo calzi tonight it's a craft beer. It's a pilsner. And, and with this pilsner, I'll hold it up to the camera so all our visual listeners can see. I'm paying homage to my female brewers out in Africa. So the Tolo Kazi is an African clan with a rich brewing history. So this lager, it's a well-balanced herbal notes, earthy aroma from the local hops used out in Africa. And it's gorgeous. I've never heard of it before. I saw it in the shop and I'm like, I'm having some of that. I've got to say, as soon as they say an earthy, lager it does put me off you know I, i'm not into these kind of special crafty beers but you do get the occasional one that hits different i thought you turned over a new leaf and you started going down more the carlin route recently what kind of brought you back into your old ways in fact it's almost like as if we've reverted in time 15 episodes we're back to what we used to be for me i think it's just over christmas really i've i i got quite a lot of um brew dog and craft lagers given to me. I don't know if people know me as a craft lager guy now, 
Um, but I got quite a few presents, so I need to just get through them before the expiry date. I hate to waste lager and alcohol, so I've got to get through it. Fair. Best excuses ever. I got. I don't have much to say. I'm on Estrella. I'm on the usual. I'm on the absolute boy. And to be honest, I've been saving my liver because this is the same crate that I had at Christmas. So our Christmas episode, this is the exact same crate. I've been not drinking in the week. Been really, really good. But tonight's different, isn't it? And sure, I got work tomorrow. But we got a long episode to go, and these beers are going to go down. Lovely. But guys, that's enough talking about beers. I want to know what you've been playing. So let's bring it on to the section titled, What Have You Been Playing? This time on NPS We Trust, what have the boys been playing? After repeating the title three times, listener, this section, I want to know what the guys have been up to over the last two weeks. Spencer, we always start with yourself, so bring it on in. All right, well, the last two weeks, it's been quite a shame, really. As I said during to what, the What I've Been Drinking section, I got my first payday, meaning I'm obviously working now. I have been fucking busy. I've not really had time to play games. I guess all I have played is League, but I'm not going to talk about that because there's not a lot to say. And I'll talk about Death Stranding, which since the last episode, I've put maybe an hour in. I've got a generator, which powers the bike outside the West distribution, whatever. And that's it. And I've done, I think, two jobs with that bike. And the bike's fun. Not as fast as I wanted it to be. I thought it was going to be like quick. I thought it was going to be quick, but it wasn't. But that's it, really. Experience combat. I've got the Mazer gun now. The Mazer gun? Is this a new gun, Phil? I... I don't recall this. I always remember just the Bolo gun. Yeah, so the Mazer gun, it came in uh, with the director's cut. So this is the added content. So Spencer, probably in the uh, the first section of the game, you, you probably did some of those um, add-on missions, which gives a bit of background into uh, why Sam is uh, venturing off and, and some, of, some of his past, really. And that's where you would have uh, first picked up the Mazer gun. But the Mazer gun, um, it, it is really cool, but it's an electric-based gun where you basically shock those troops. So it's really effective, uh, sort of in close combat, really. Oh, actually, I will say one other thing is I did a delivery, which was picking up a companion cube and bringing that back. And I thought that was really cute. And then he gives me, in, as a reward, or like a thank you for bringing him the companion cube, he gave me Gordon glasses which obviously I'm wearing because they're sick. I'm a fan of Half-Life, so I just thought that was a cute little tie-in. Again, that's the added content that came with the PC version of Death Stranding. And if you continue down that area of the story, uh, you'll end up getting a head crab. Um, you'll end up getting a Half-Life van um, and also a pair of um, gloves that are used in Half-Life Alex, And that'll basically give you the ability to pick up items from across the map, Damn. which is quite cool. So you kind of have magneto powers in death stranding which is super overpowered but worth getting yeah that's awesome to be able to have that kind of stuff this early on i always thought that it would be a case that these items would be added quite late into the game so seeing them this early oh that's hype oh the 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 story with this it, it, it definitely starts early um, but you won't you won't be able to get those gloves till much later on in the story sort of thing. That's what it is. It, it's sort of a sprinkling. It's a few couple of breadcrumbs into the story. So the further you progress, the more kind of Half-Life-esque uh, missions you'll be able to do. And you'll also be able to do some 
a game called Cyberpunk. I, I've never heard of it, um, but apparently it, it, it's quite a big thing on PC. And I think a little bit, I think it came to PlayStation. I, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, some of that, some of those references are in Death Stranding, but they all went over my head. Came to PlayStation for about a week <laughs> and then it was gone. <laughs> <laughs> Cyber junk, boys. For the benefit of us all. Oh, well, fair dues then, Spence. At least you're trying to get cracking on through it. I mean, you've got a busy month ahead of you now. When we get into death month, of course, we got Sifu out in a couple of weeks' time. And then we're rolling on into Elden Ring. Do you reckon you're going to get it done in time? No shot. <laughs> no shot. I, it doesn't matter what... I want to try get Death Stranding done before Elden Ring. But in failing that, Death Stranding is going to be put so far to the side. It just will... I'm literally not going to talk to anyone. My mum won't know I exist. She'll think I've moved out, but I'll just be upstairs with my headset on, permanently on charge, because I'm not coming off the game. My girlfriend's going to think I've left her, and I'm just going to play Elden Ring. I'm going to miss the podcast. I'm not coming on. Your mum will be sitting there thinking, finally, finally, he's moved out. Finally, he's out the house. There'll be like celebrations going on. I'll be around there, woo, like popping off. And and then you'll just be upstairs. Guys, be quiet. I'm trying to get a moonlight great sword. Davey, why are you popping round Spencer's house if Spencer's not there? Just to see his, his mum. invites me round. Yeah, yeah. Do you put up a shelf? I'll, I'll do whatever she wants me to do. I, I treat her well. She's a good girl, is Liz. <laughs> it's mad that she has the same name as your mum. I know, it's crazy. It's actually crazy. Same surname as yeah. well. But we're not related, as far as I know. Phil. All this Death Stranding has got me wanting to ask you, what have you been up to these last couple of weeks? I would love to come back to you and be like, I've been playing Death Stranding, but I haven't. I've taken your advice, which probably in the past has done me quite well when it comes to games. I've gone back and picked up Guardians of the Galaxy again. After your review on episode 34, you convinced me to go back because I had a couple of different options. I could have gone down the Metroid route, I could have continued the Rune King, or I could have played Guardians. So I jumped into Guardians, and I'm now up to Chapter 7 out of 16. I've just woken up in jail, and I believe that's somewhere in nowhere, if that makes any sense. Which it definitely doesn't if you haven't played the game and you don't know the Marvel Universe. But if you do, I'm in nowhere. So the game runs normally about 25, 30 hours. So probably done about 12, 15 hours into the game. Really enjoying it. Uh, my favorite part of the game is just the part between the action, which sounds really strange because you get the nonstop chatter between the characters and that is absolutely hilarious. And it keeps the game entertaining as you search for resources across the levels. For me, the combat still isn't the deepest and I'm still fighting blobs with the Dweller in Darkness, summoning random blobs. I was really random to see them. I thought I'm just going to get haunted with these blobs throughout the whole game. I know we'd always do a rating and it's a solid eight out of 10, for where I am in the game. I don't know if that's going to elevate towards the 9, the 10s, depending on the boss fights later on in the story. But I should have it finished next episode, and I'll give you my full rating then. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's great to see you actually take my advice yet again, and hopefully I'm not going to see you wrong, because I think the more you get into this, I'll be surprised if you don't feel even stronger about it by the time you wrap the game. But we'll have to wait till the next episode for that. <clears throat> Sorry, it sounded like I'm fucking doing like a detective voiceover in the fucking, <clears throat> in some noir film. Speaking of Guardians, I want to just give a super quick update. So obviously last episode, I gushed all about Guardians, saying how much I loved it, how it would have been my number two. 
in my best games of the year for last year. I've platinumed it now. So it is done. It's deleted off my hard drive. Spencer, it's ready for you whenever you get through your backlog of games you've already got. And that was a great feeling. Great to get that done. Great to get it sorted. And to kind of pay homage to how great I, how great the game is by giving it a platinum. Guys, as we're on the run up to Horizon at the end of February, I've gone back to Horizon Zero Dawn, The Frozen Wilds. So I'd never played the add-on content for Horizon. I'd heard it was great. But after I got my platinum with it, I was kind of done. I was horizoned out. So it sat there for years until now. Jesus Christ, this game. This game is so much fun. I totally forgot just how good it actually is. As soon as this game came out in 2017, seeing it now, like five years later, it's still really impressive. There are differences that I've noticed now in looking at it through a modern lens. There are things that don't quite stack up. The melee combat really is pretty weak, as is some of the animations. There are a few odd animations, especially when it comes to NPCs, that do show their age. But overall, I'm really enjoying this new story and the new weapons that I found. Now, I was really worried going into this experience that I'd be completely lost, that I wouldn't have a clue what I was doing, that I'd get bodied. So guys, when I loaded up my save game, I'm in the worst possible place. I'm in the final boss encounter. I literally loaded it up and I'm immediately in a boss fight. And I had to remember the buttons and beat that boss fight before I could then get out of that mission that I was stuck in and do everything else. Jesus, talk about trial by fire. I don't remember the end boss being the hardest boss in Horizon. It wasn't difficult, but when you can't remember how to even change weapon, it becomes a little bit of a challenge. Especially when you can't remember which weapons are really effective against certain machines. So you get machines thrown in and you think, I remember I got to blow off their weapon parts and use their weapons against them. I remember that. Which arrow did that again? Is that a tear blast arrow? Is that a hard hit point arrow? It actually didn't take too long to come back to me, if I'm honest with you. And the reason for that is because I got that goated armor. You know that armor at the end of the game, if you do all the side quests where it like recharges? I got that on. So no one was killing me. I was like unstoppable in that boss fight. And so even though I was kind of getting battered about by everything known to man, it didn't take long for me to be able to figure it all out. And now I'm back in the, in the frame of mind for it. Good God, I am over the moon to be playing this again. That armor looks incredible when it's on the stand, but when she puts it on, it's such a disappointment, isn't it? So are, oh. are, are you telling me all the weapons and all the armor uh, that you collected in the original game follows on with you? into the DLC or are you starting from point zero? No, I'm not. So I've continued my save off and the level cap for Horizon is level 50. What they did with the Frozen Wilds content is they added it on to be a maximum of, of level 60. Now that content is pitched to be at level 35. So it's not supposed to be end game. You're supposed to kind of get there at the midpoint. And then what happens is there's certain activities you have in there and different quest lines, which then go up and it just gets increasingly harder. So the point I'm at now is end game. I'm at the end game level content in terms of in terms of difficulty. But so far, I'm not finding it too difficult in the stories. I'm finding it difficult in the overworld. I have been getting bodied by creatures left, right, and center. Because they put these things called control nodes. So a control node spits out this electrical blast, which then disables your armor. It's like as if they put it in there knowing that people are going to be going in there with the best armor. 
And then things are just absolutely ruining me because I'm not very good at evasion. I'm normally just literally getting on my mount, running around and shooting arrows. And that's all I know. I can't remember to use my slide very effectively to slide under stuff. I'm not using my dodge rolls properly. So I'm getting bodied as soon as my armor's taken away from me. So it's been a massive crutch for me getting into this, but I cannot wait to experience some more of it. What sort of rating would you give this DLC? Because I, I know historically this, this DLC has always been the DLC that people have said, this is something you need to play. And I think a lot of DLC that comes out on PlayStation, pretty much you don't need to play it. A lot of it is, if you love the game, you'll love this. But it's not must-play. I've always heard The Frozen World as a must-play if you're a Horizon fan. What sort of rating are you giving this? And do you stick along uh, the same sort of line as that advice? I think if you're a Horizon fan, then it's just more of the same. There's nothing new here. It's just more of the same. The creature's are a little bit, a little bit different in terms of their elemental effects or their health level. But generally, it's exactly the same systems. Nothing really introduced. There's new weapons here for you to use and new outfits if you wanted to use those. And they have benefits and they have kind of perks. You get like an electric kind of rifle a gun which shoots out like multiple electric shots. And that's really good for things that are obviously weak against electricity. It's not certainly not on must play. There's nothing new here that you think, whoa, you know, this is insane. This is really pushing the envelope. The thing that I think makes this worth it would be dependent on if the story kind of backs that up. And at the moment, I don't know. I'm too early into it. I'm about three, three or four hours in. And apparently it's a 20 hour experience. So I, I've got quite a road to go before I know whether or not this story is a cut above. Well, you'll have to keep us up to date on that, Davey, because I, I am a big Horizon fan. I did actually platinum the original, which is huge for me. I think a platinum for me basically means I really like the game. I haven't played the Frozen Wilds, but I have pre-ordered the new Horizon on PS5. So I need to make up my mind if I'm going to find those 20 hours before the release. And I think it will probably be based on you because I'll be trying to catch up on Guardians of the Galaxy. So uh, it'll be interesting to see your take maybe on the next episode or or offline or maybe on your Twitter uh, during the week. Yeah, definitely. It won't be long and I'll have that done. I'm, I'm aiming to have it done by the next episode 100%. I'm aiming to have it completely done before Sifu's launch so I can just put all my time into Sifu. So that is my biggest priority at the moment. So yeah, stay tuned and I will let you know how it stacks up. But guys, we've been playing a game as a group, which has been quite nice. Phil, you're making a face like as if we haven't. Do you want to elaborate on this a little bit more? So I'm probably the most casual gamer here on this podcast. I represent the casual gamer. When I, when I come along, I've got my point of view. I am the casual gamer. You guys are the hardcore. I'm the casual. Every night I've been asking, when are we digging, boys? What are we digging? Are we digging? And I get these excuses after excuses. Oh, I got to spend time with the missus. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, I've got kids. Guys, when are we digging? I I feel personally attacked here. These are all my excuses as well. Spencer's like, I'm in work. Totally brushed under. That's fine. But mine, mine have been savagely brought to the surface. I am always up for digging with you, Phil. And I've had a great time digging. Unfortunately, my wife is going to dig me an early grave if I don't spend a bit of time with her. So that's that's where we are, mate. That's where we are. It's literally dig with the boys or survive. And I've been choosing the survival path, but there's only so long that I can do that before I get the urge to go digging. And of course, we're talking about Deep Rock Galactic here. 
the PlayStation Plus game from last month's offering, and we've all been diving in, and we've done quite a few sessions now of this game. I think we've had three sessions together, or four sessions. It's quite a few collective digs. How are you finding it, Phil? Well, considering this game came out in 2018, right? It's a fairly old game to be releasing, but I'm so hyped about it. I'm the one driving these these digs, really. I, I'm the one in the chat saying, when are we doing this? Because it's so addictive and it's so much fun. It's the type of game I just love because it's throwaway four-player mayhem. And we all get different classes. We're basically space dwarfs. How cool is that? We're swigging beer and we're going on digs and we're killing bugs. And it ramps up so quickly in difficulty and in intricacy and in what you need to do within those digs. I'm just addicted to it. I absolutely love this game. <laughs> if you can't tell, guys. I'm right there with you. I honestly, I think that the class setups and the way that it all kind of gels together when you go out into one of these digs is phenomenal. Especially as, you know, we played, for example, we did a session where it was you, me and Willard, Phil. Of course, I'm playing the gunner, so I'm just there kind of just shooting stuff. I sort of, that's my only role and setting up zip lines. You, Phil, you're playing, are you an engineer? Yeah, I'm the engineer, so I, I provide the access to things, and I also put down turrets. So I'm, I'm basically the support character, I think. And then Willard was playing the scouts. So he was playing the ability to have, like, a grapple hook so he can get up places and, a, a, like, a kind of flare so he can light up an entire area. And when us three were going out and trying to figure out our way to get around stuff, we had to use quite a lot of tactics there. Because when we played with Spencer, he plays as, like, I can't remember the character's name. Is it like a digger? It's, like it's a miner? driller or something. I just have a fat drill in a... Well, a fat drill, really. <laughs> yeah, and so at least when we're playing with you, we can say, like, oh, we need to get through this through this tunnel. Spence, and he'd just be like, I got you, boys. And just dig straight through. Whereas when it's us three, it takes us such a long time when we're under bug fire, we've got to figure out some different tactic to get around that. And I found that that kind of different team formation so interesting in how you kind of approach situations that are very similar objectively but using the tools at, at your disposal to get the job done just created so many different ways that gameplay kind of branched out and how we overcame things i'm totally right there with you phil i love this i thought it was phenomenal and i'm looking forward to getting into it again what about yourself, Spence? How are you feeling about this one? This game is very much just kind of a hop on, do a mission or two with the boys. It is just a bit of fun. It's nothing like, it's not a taxing game at all. It's very much just, we all online tonight, want to dig some holes, get some, get some oars, push our mule around, sound, kick all the barrels into the freaking cockpit. But it's, it's just a fun game. I'm glad we got it for free, part of PS Plus. I'm looking forward to playing it again. Maybe a few boys are still keen after this recording. We'll see. But yeah, great game. Well, we'll have to see how long we go for the rest of the podcast. Now, just for full transparency here, listener, we've already done our end topic. So we're, we're kind of going backwards in time here. So we know that you've got a stellar episode ahead of yourself, but we've got a lot more to go yet before we call it a night. So let's move on to quick news quick news nino 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 quick news you better get upgrading those ps5s with some expanded storage or deleting some of those old games because gran turismo 7 is reported to be 110 gigabyte and horizon forbidden west comes in at 85 we'll be preloading in a couple of weeks so these numbers are yet to be confirmed but even if that's you know, our best estimates, you better be clearing out that back 
backlog and move it off the PS5 sooner than later. Bring, 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 bring. Capital, give me the cash. Quick news. Activision Blizzard are reportedly considering buying Kotaku and PC Gamer. This move was suggested by CEO Bobby Kotick in an attempt to change the public opinion that they're a bunch of sex-offending monsters. I know this is quick news, but can I just say, why would you ever buy Kotaku? I literally wouldn't even wipe my ass with that website. That is the worst thing you can think about purchasing. That, that website is so woke that it literally makes me feel like as if I'm an actual, like, like as if I'm the scum of the earth. Just because I don't share the opinion that everything is designed to be insulting, I feel like I'm priced out from Kotaku. You'd never want to go and buy that fucking website. Buy IGN or something that's like kind of central. Jesus Christ, what was Bobby Kotick thinking? I'm guessing that Kotaku are the ones that reported on their misconduct the most. So just buy just buy out the ones that were talking the most shit. Buy them and shut them up. That's probably, yeah. And now they're using that Microsoft money to do it. Well, guys, for my quick news, this year, every single episode, I'm going to bring in a different collection of sound effects. So today, we got these. We are on Street Fighter Death Voice Collection for episode 35. So let's go. Go home, be a family man. Respawn, the developers of Apex Legends and Jedi Fallen Order, are working on three new Star Wars titles. Now, in an extended blog post, which I'm going to recount for you now, EA have broken down exactly what's going to be happening in the near future. Respawn Entertainment, best known for their work on Apex Legends, Titanfall, and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, is leading the development and production of these new projects. Vince Sampella, group general manager and founder of Respawn will oversee this new phase of EA's relationship with Lucasfilm, building on Respawn's award-winning history in game development and expertise in telling compelling Star Wars stories. Now apparently, these three new titles include a new entry in the, in the Star Wars Jedi franchise, so a follow-up from Jedi Fallen Order, a new Star Wars FPS, and a strategy game. So, we got a lot to look forward to from the Star Wars license, and under Respawn's hand, this is something that I'm very excited by. I look forward to hearing more news in the near future. Awooga! Quick news. If you're going to be buying the new Uncharted game, you'll be getting a free cinema ticket to the Uncharted movie. Keep in mind you'll need to do this between the 4th of February in the UK. I tell you guys that the new trailer actually looks stunning. But guys, if you already own the games, is this enough to get you over the line? Yes, actually it is. I was going to buy a cinema ticket anyway, which would have cost now at the best part £10, £6 if I was going through my local, but if I can't get in there, then it's going to cost me 10 I might as well just pay for the upgrade and get a free cinema ticket at that point. Worst case scenario, it's cost me £4 to upgrade to the, to the new collection. I mean, that's a win-win in my books. I mean, for me, I was going to upgrade it anyway. So now that that saves me the money of having to buy a ticket for the movie, which I was going to see anyway, I'm sure the three of us were probably going to watch it together. If now I can do that basically for free, big benefit. So for me, I, I own the games already and I want to see the, the movie. And I'm the same as you, Davey. Why, why not have another game for the shelf? Nice. Well, sorry to have nicked your death sound there, mate, but I was running out of ideas. Quick news. 
A new update on the PlayStation 5 will now let you upload your captures onto the PlayStation Mobile app, allowing easier access to your favourite gaming moments and an easier way to share those moments with loved ones, or to just share a clip of some kid calling Davey a wanker. A roadmap for the rest of this year has been announced for Dying Light 2. Judging by how well supported the original entry was, I have no worries with the release schedule that they've proposed. This is one roadmap I can actually see completing its intended run, which will make a massive difference from what we've come to expect. Now with Dying Light, you can expect five years of support for the upcoming game, which launches on February the 4th. Na 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 na, na 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 na, quick news, quick news. PlayStation London Studios are hiring and they have tweeted, we're building a team from the ground up for an upcoming PlayStation 5 online game. New starters will join at the perfect time to get involved in shaping our plans for the project. We're exceptionally excited about. Guys, we don't know what they're working on, but as soon as we do, you'll be the first to hear about it. <laughs> Quick news. <laughs> Uh, to be fair, my headset shook on my head. I didn't think that would happen. It's a good one. I thought my headset was going to come flying. You know the end of the Ed, Ed and Eddie theme? Yeah. Go, I was trying to do that. Quick news. <laughs> this February on PS Plus, we're receiving three new titles. Shocker. Two of which being PS4 and a single title for the PS5. The offerings this time for the PS4 a Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep, a one-off D&D Adventure spin-off kind of thing. UFC 4, also on the PS4. And for the PS5 offering, we have Planet Coaster Console Edition. Friends Pass for the entire Dark Pictures Anthology has been granted for one month. Available from now, from the date of recording, which is the 28th of January until the 28th of February, if you own either Man of Medan, Little Hope, or House of Ashes, you can now get a friend to download the Friends Pass, which is a trial version of the game, invite them in, and they can play with you and experience the entire game for free. You've only got a month to do it, so get on it and do not delay. Spencer, you've never played any of these games before. Are you interested in checking these out with me? Because these kind of trophies for this shared experience have always barred me from getting the platinum on these games. Oh, that's a bit disappointing. Of course I will obviously, but I was kind of hoping you already had the Platinums, because then I would use your copy of the game, give you the friend pass, and I could then also get the Platinum. That was my thought process. Well, if we're quick enough, if we're quick enough, could we not just do that anyway? I could just sign in as you, you sign in as me, and we just go from there? We could just... And we beat all three games twice in a month. Yes. We probably want to to rip out our own faces by the time we're done because of how boring it would be doing it straight after each other with very specific routes for the platinum. But hell, we got through zombies mode on Vanguard. We can do anything after that. That's true. Yeah, I'm down. I'm down 100%. And that's about it for quick news. So let's bring it on to Rumor Has It. Kick it! Wake up with a rumour and you don't want to go You ask if it's confirmed and they still say no 
Rumour has it that COD is apparently ditching the annual releases after this year's entry. As the sales have dipped to Vanguard compared to earlier entries, it is making them think twice about the current development cycle. Now guys, I know you're huge COD fans. You talk about it pretty much every other week on the podcast. Is this going to be affecting you going forward? And how do you feel about this? For me, honestly, it's bless. Because you have to think about the recent acquisition. And seeing as we likely only have three more COD titles, if they're taking longer to come out, that gives Sony more time to kind of retaliate, I suppose. So if instead of that's three years time, well, I guess it's only two CODs in Warzone, so maybe two years time. Now this could give us three to four years for Sony to come up with some sort of decision or a new IP or an existing IP to kind of fight back. I think it's a good idea. And also if it means that COD games get more polished, if they have more time in development, that would be awesome. They've already done a fantastic job adapting to the adaptive triggers and adapting the whole DualSense controller on a whole and the PS5 as a console. They've done a fantastic job moving to the platform. And if they have more time to kind of tweak about with the console and figure out the specifics, they could really perform a lot. And if this means that my Call of Duty won't be crashing 12 seconds into a mission three times in a row, then I am ecstatic, but I don't believe that for a second. That'll put you out of a job, Bug Hunter. That would be hugely unfortunate because I love that little jingle that we've got on the show. How about yourself, Davey? What are you feeling on this topic? So I kind of take what Spencer says, and there's just a little bit of context that I've learned over the past couple of days, actually, and that's that Call of Duty games are made on a three-year dev cycle. So for the next three entries, chances are we're not going to see any difference to that, especially as from what I've heard anyway in in different rumor circles is that the next Call of Duty, which is Modern Warfare 2, is apparently pretty much like gearing up to be the game that they think is going to revolutionize COD again. They're really pipping this up there as being something that's going to blow everyone's fucking mind. So I suppose we'll have to wait and see about that in a couple of months' time when it gets eventually leaked. Going forward, what Spence said there rings very true. Call of Duty, unfortunately, especially with the last couple of years with Cold War and then with Vanguard this year, it takes a number of months after release before everything's actually ironed out. And the problem is, because these games have a 12-month lifespan, by the time everything's ironed out, a lot of the community's left. So it doesn't leave the best impression. At the moment, for example, in Vanguard, we still got spawn issues. Spawn issues was something that was found in the alpha, and it's still there today. It's just not good enough, and it's just not what you expect. Now, nobody would turn around and say that Call of Duty doesn't offer enough content, or enough high-quality content, because it certainly does. That extra year developing the game would just iron out all the bugs, and would just add an extra level of polish to the game. So I can't see this being a bad thing. However, I do not believe this. Because, sure, the sales dip dipped. Vanguard is a World War II shooter. Do people care about World War II shooters? Probably not. I'd say that they need to see a kind of pattern of behaviour before they do what Ubisoft did with Assassin's Creed and take it off the annual approach. That's how I feel anyway. I don't know how you feel about that, Spence. I don't think they would like to see a pattern because the pattern they saw which was when they kind of started all the future shit isn't it they added all the futuristic stuff and people didn't like it and the sales dropped off then and now i think because they've just come off that really they're only like two games later or three games later beyond that if there's another pattern that's two years of losing money 
I think they think if there's one dud, that's it. Fix this. We can't have another pattern because they probably lost so much money compared to how well they usually sell. Granted, they probably still made shitloads, but just not as much as they usually would. In terms of content, Vanguard had significantly less content than Cold War because all Vanguard had, it was campaign and multiplayer. You can say it had zombies. It fucking didn't. Wasn't in the game. Dead Ops wasn't there. It was literally, and usually when we used to have Call of Duty, we'd have campaign multiplayer zombies and then the alternative, which would be Modern Warfare, would be campaign multiplayer spec ops. Whereas obviously they tried to do their own twist on zombies this time and it failed. It is fucking shit. So maybe they go back to kind of changing it to spec ops every off year or they just, for some reason, I don't know why they changed, just go back to the basic formula of zombies because it is perfect. Content is there. It's fine. But this latest latest version of COD had the least amount of content we've seen in a while. So they probably do want to change up what they're doing a bit. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. The, the problem is that Call of Duty for the last couple of years has had really rough development cycles. Um, and that's mostly down to the team are given enough time, they're given enough budget, they got enough resources. There's kind of everything there to be able to make the Call of Duty brand as successful as it possibly can be. But the problem is that the last couple of years, especially, you're having teams where they've got really kind of grand ambitions, which then they realize they can't deliver, and then are having to then kind of save that. So in the case of Cold War, which came out last year, Treyarch only took over that development with six months left to go, and they somehow got it out the door. What they need to do, really, is this team, and Core Duty as a, as a general franchise, I think, is cool off. I think there is something really important with making people wait for it. Shutting up, going away, putting like a, like what Dying Light are doing now, where they got a five-year roadmap. That's probably too long. But having a roadmap of a couple of years would enable you then to be able to have the competitive scene get a little bit more depth to it, rather than every single year the pros have to learn brand new game, they have to learn brand new setups. Everyone starts from zero again. Rather than it be a case you've got two years to build a meta, to build storylines, to build rivalries, to have all this kind of stuff that's ongoing. And then when it starts getting tired, boom, you've got a brand new game out. Rather than cutting it underneath itself with only a year. And I, I always feel like that's always a tr the struggle with Call of Duty is that you just don't have that length of time to be able to really kind of either get the balancing right, the polish right or to be able to create these kind of stories that last in perpetuity. So you both see this rumour as being a positive, because ultimately it means we'll get a better version of COD. But guys, what about the casuals? The ones that love seeing the new Call of Duty on the shelves each year. What are all the 16-year-olds going to be asking for for Christmas each year? That's a huge amount of sales to be missing out if they're going to be delaying that process. Well, that, that's definitely the other side of it. And I suppose also going alongside that as well, if somebody doesn't like this year's Call of Duty, they've only got 11 months to go until the next one. And then they can see if that one's for them. So there's definitely a downside to this. A downside with sales, especially, that's probably the biggest one, especially when it comes to um, this still going to be run under, um, under Activision Blizzard for the next year before the deal finalizes. So especially for them, that's, that's top level, right? That's the biggest priority is those sales. The player's enjoyment and experience, way down the list, way down the list. Don't think of it any other way. And any company who try and tout some, a different message than that is talking bullshit. If it's selling, 
No matter what, if everyone thinks it's shit, but it sells millions, they don't give a fuck what Metacritic says. As soon as those sales start dropping, that's when then you get into the discussion of we need to change our game, change our tack. Yeah, I think little Jimmy, who who waits for COD every single Christmas time, gets it in his stocking, he'll be gutted. And to be honest, I think most of the casual audience would be absolutely gutted about this. Because there's people that spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours playing two games, FIFA and Call of Duty. And th- that audience then would move on to something else, maybe Fortnite, maybe Apex Legends. Would they return to the franchise at that point? Maybe not. That's the worry you've got there. My thoughts on how it, it would affect the casual community if they change the cycle. In terms of sales, I think it would drop dramatically because I think buying COD every year is just a habit at this point. Whereas if it extends to two years or three years, that's not a habit is shorter than that. You could buy a COD every year at a habit, but not if it's that long. But in terms of casuals, I think this would just mean they have an extra 70 quid every year. In which case they might finally branch out into games that aren't COD and fucking FIFA. And they might actually figure out, oh, my console does more than this. And then learn to love other experiences. And instead of being casual players, just become players. And that's what we'd love to see. Sure, Activision's taking a dive, but we'd have a bigger community. And I think that'd be class. Unless on PlayStation, we don't like Activision anymore, do we? After the recent news. Um, But guys, I'm going to ask you, uh, Davey, I think you've already alluded to you not believing this rumor. But Spencer, where'd you sit? Are you on the fence with this one? I would find it hard to believe, yeah, just because they've been in the cycle of annual releases for so long, literally since the dawn of time. I'm pretty sure the first Call of Duty came out when Jesus was about, and we've had so many since. I would be very surprised for them to change up now, but they have just been acquired by Microsoft, and they might have a different strategy for them. So they might change. It's very possible, but I don't see it happening, personally. So, boys. Rumour has it, we have a new MotorStorm reboot on the horizon. This has been discussed at Sony. The company wants an arcade racing game associated with a PlayStation brand to kind of counter the Gran Turismo series. Recent Twisted Metal developer Switch could indicate that a project might be given to Lucid Games. I know you boys love Lucid Games. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm not going to give any of my thoughts. Davey, mate, what do you think? Let me just let me just take this in. So you're saying that Lucid Games, the team that developed, as we called last episode, the worst launch game of the PlayStation 5, which wasn't even a launch game because they couldn't put it out on time. The game which has literally died, that they say needs to go free to play to actually get an audience, which even then it won't get because the game is fucking butt cheeks. They want to take over one of my favourite franchises from the PlayStation 3, MotorStorm. Aren't you excited? (laughs) No, no, I am not excited. I would be fucking devastated about this. I would actually be gutted. Because the problem is with Lucid Games, and the reason why I do not want them anywhere fucking near MotorStorm, is they cannot get the simple collision of two cars to feel satisfying. And if you can't do that in a car destruction game, I do not want that as part of my fucking racing game. MotorStorm is essentially burnout, but more race-driven than burnout. I don't want to be able to run over a car in a monster truck in, Mon- in MotorStorm and for it to feel fucking bollocks. I want it to feel satisfying. 
which is what Motorstorm always did. Would I be excited for the franchise to come back? Yes. Am I excited by Lucid doing it? No. And that's where I stand. Phil, mate, what are your thoughts on the situation? I just find this hilarious, right? Lucid Games seems to be handed round at the moment. They're just trying to find what IP they can jump on to like rescue their studio before Sony is just like, you know what, guys? That's the end. We're, we're, we're not going with you any further. They had Twisted Metal, and now they're handed Motorstorm, which arguably, in my mind, is a bigger IP. These days, it's a much more relevant IP these days because Twisted Metal has died, died to death. I've not heard anything about Twisted Metal in a long time, apart from maybe the last episode where we talked about it quite a lot. But with Motorstorm, that's still in the consciousness of people. People remember it for the soundtrack. Guys, unless Lucid Games are literally going to the We Were Young Festival over in Las Vegas and recording that soundtrack, that's the only way they could redeem it for me. Unless they somehow pull out all the stops and totally surprise me. And look, I'll be the first to admit it. If they put on a good game, if they actually come back and they put out something good quality, I'll be the first to lick my wounds and say I'm sorry, right? And to say, oh, I'm sorry, I talked shit about you for so long. But you need to be able to prove it to me. And at the moment, from what I've seen so far, I do not have that confidence there that they'd be able to do that. I really don't. What about yourself, Spence? I know you're not massive into Motorstorm. You, you've never really played that game before. How are you feeling about this? I just, I, I like, th- like, similar to Phil, I think it's hilarious. I think clearly Lucid Games can't make a drive-in game. So why do they keep trying to? They've gone from Destruction All-Stars to Twisted Metal, now to Motorstorm. Fam, just make anything else. Stop trying to make racing or driving or destruction games involving cars. Anything else. I'm sure your company is capable of making a human walk as well as a car attempt to drive. Just make a different type of game. Why are you so, like, focused on making driving games? Make anything else. The first one didn't work out. So I think, oh, let's do it again, but with a bigger IP. Let's, let's, literally, it's not a case of Sony axing them. They're trying to commit suicide at this point. <laughs> it's a cry for help, if anything, if anything else, isn't it? Um, can I just say, guys, this makes you question with this rumor. I think you said then, Spence, that they're trying to get something that kind of sits alongside Gran Turismo. So you've got Gran Turismo for your serious racing, and then you've got something else like kind of more arcadey to go alongside it. That's that's what you mentioned. To me, why close Evolution Studios, which you did back in 2015? Evolution Studios were the original guys behind Motorstorm, and then they moved over to do Drive Club. Now, Drive Club didn't launch very well. In fact, it launched really badly because it was supposed to be a launch game for the PS4, And then it got delayed. It came out a year later, didn't review very well, but the team put a lot of work in and a lot of effort into making that game an actual success. And it turned out to be a success and it's very well regarded amongst the community. People love that game. They really did enjoy it. It does make you wonder if maybe they're a bit bit nearsighted in that closure in the same way that they were with Studio Liverpool. In closing these teams down, and then they think, Jesus. Maybe we just didn't give these guys the chance that they needed to be able to come back with something else. 
Maybe we're too quick to close them down. <clears throat> and sure, with a lot of these guys in in um, Evolution, they've gone out to other roles within Sony themselves. They've gone into other teams. They've formed new teams. You know, they still kind of live. But I do feel like this was just an oversight that they shouldn't have shut down this game and they should have said, right, well, we'll give you guys one more crack of the whip. And if it doesn't succeed, that's it. Because this team, they had the worst hand you can you can ever imagine. They accidentally killed off the MotorStorm franchise because they released MotorStorm Apocalypse, I think it was called, which was a game where you're racing and the world's kind of falling around you. So like, you know, you'll be in the middle of a hurricane or you're in the middle of a tsunami or you're out racing a volcanic eruption, things like that. But the game kind of launched at the same time that we had that massive nuclear catastrophe in Japan. Remember when that tsunami came in and uh, it ruined that nuclear reactor and uh, that all got fucked up? So it was launching at the same time as that. So they delayed the game. And all the marketing was built up to that time of launch. So when they delayed it, it was up against massive competition and it got fucked. And it didn't sell. And it was free on PlayStation Plus within three months. And you think, come on. Like, they, that is out of their hands. That's like when they closed down Zipper because the SOCOM game, when they launched SOCOM, the game that needs online to play, they launched it a week before the PlayStation Network out outage for three months. And then they closed that studio down because they didn't perform. It's like, come on, Sony. What are you doing? And I think, unfortunately, they're now reaping what they sow because Lucid are putting out these games which are fucking gutter trash, like actually trash in the best circumstances, when they could have had a world-class team there on their hands if they'd only stayed the course. And that's how I'm feeling about this. I'm feeling just very, just gutted, really, for what could have been. I've just looked up Lucid Games and I've found everything they've ever done. Would you boys like to know some highlights? I'd love to know. Most of what they've done is Android and iOS releases, including a port of GTA Liberty City Stories. Uh, and they've ported, or they co-ported, Goat Simulator onto PS3, PS4, 360 and Xbox One. And since then, all they've done is Switchblade, which was that destructive racing game on PS4, and Destruction All-Stars on PS5. But their first ever title they did was called Travel Bug, which was a game on the PS Vita. And I'll tell you now, I'm looking at it, and it looks like cheeks. I don't know exactly what it is, but looking at the screenshots, this looks fucking abysmal. It's a game where you take your bug to different places and you take pictures of them. And that is it. Bug Snacks. Oh, you bastard. You bastard. What a bastard. Bringing bug snacks, the holy game of this podcast, into this as an insult? You absolute piece of scum. But that is literally, other than iOS titles, that is literally all they've done. And now they're trying to put them onto MotorStorm after failing with Destruction All-Stars. I think, give it two or three months and they're kicked off and someone else is making this MotorStorm title similar to what happened with Twisted Metal. Do we have any other racing IPs within PlayStation that once the MotorStorm kind of deal falls through, which inevitably we think it will do, they're going to be moved on to next? Wipeout. Wipeout, please. <laughs> 
you wouldn't want them to actually make the game though, right? You'd want them to fail on that as well and move on to something else after Wipeout. I want Lucid Games to come with the concept, yeah, but fail at the idea. But then PlayStation see the concept and think, oh, Bluepoint could do that. <laughs> just put Bluepoint. <laughs> just put Bluepoint on it and then it bless. <laughs> I, I reckon, Phil, in answer to your question, they could move on to Mod Nation Races. They could bring that back. They could have a go at that and then fail at that. Wasn't there a little big planet kart racing game? There was, yeah. Maybe they could try that after Mod Nation falls through. They got they got options, basically. We're saying they got options. Now, I don't want to seem like on this podcast that we're just literally there to boot someone while they're down. But it's just a case that with Lucid Games, I have, and I know that we all share this opinion, we have no faith in them. And for them to be given a franchise which I actually care an awful lot about, I just find that more insulting than actually leaving the franchise in the dirt. And, th- and that's how I feel. So I feel very strongly about this. I don't mean to get on Lucy Games' shit list here, but prove yourself. Step it up. If you're going to be inheriting one of these franchises, step it up. Make a better game than what you have done before and prove me wrong. And that's my challenge to you. But in terms of this rumor, I know you'll be asking this, Spencer, in a second. I think this is true, unfortunately. I can actually see this being true. And that's what makes you really upset. Right, and Phil, mate, completely unwarranted, I'm going to ask you, do you think this rumour is true? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. The, the way I've been seeing it and, and, and sort of the sources uh, that I've been seeing it come from are via Twitter, it does seem like this is going to happen, which, yeah, feels feels bad feels really really bad because we love motorstorm here on mps we trust and i just don't want to see it go the same way as destruction all stars i'm gonna say my thoughts on this are that the motorstorm reboot is true that's probably happening i don't think they're gonna give it to lucid games i don't think they will because people are only thinking that due to the switch from twisted metal but I don't think that will be the case. Well, he is hoping that you're right on that. He is hoping. Okay, and the last rumor that we have for today, guys. Rumor has it, there's a huge Capcom third-party IP in the works exclusively for the PlayStation 5. Now, this is from a source uh, called Foxy Games UK, who has, (laughs) I was going to say reliably, who has... who has shared a few things which have come true, but for the most part, it's a lot of talk with not an awful lot of track record. There's the odd thing, though, which still gives it some clout. He says that he's sorry he can't share any more than that at this time. Phil, let's start with yourself. What are you thinking about this, and what do you think it could be? I'm just looking at the tweet now, and I have not got the boggiest. It's the most ambiguous tweet ever. They, they give us a link to Capcom. They give us a link to the PS5. Who knows? Who honestly knows? So you're not hoping for like Dino Crisis remade by Bluepoint or something? Mate. Lost Planet is the one I'd always go to if I want something remade by Capcom. Because those games banged. I, was, I always forget that you were a huge fan of the Lost Planet games. I never really played them myself. 
So what would you want to see then? Would you want to see him kind of bring it back or would you want to see like a kind of remake or or would you want like just a new version of the franchise? I'd want him to continue with the co-op fun because it's two player and huge bosses. As long as they keep those two elements, I'm fine. And the zip wires as well. They were pretty cool in the game. So you're not thinking it's going to be, you know, the game that can't be mentioned or monster hunter or any of the other big franchises you're thinking it's going to be something a little bit smaller if it is true yeah definitely i, th- I think with capcom they, they don't want to fall into that trap of you know being nintendo and just re- repeating themselves with their big titles going into their back catalog i think it's the perfect time to bring that that ip back and it possibly could be something like lost planet of course it could be dino crisis that would be very cool as well um we're going to be playing that on the latest um MPS we trust spoiler cast from the past. Yeah, we should we should get to that before the end of February, shouldn't we? We should have that episode out. So that'd be really interesting to see. So what about yourself then, Spence? What are you thinking about this one? Anything that you think it could be or anything you think it's likely to be? Bro, I will put one hundred quid right down right now, down on exactly what I think it is. I'll tell you, this game is a hundred percent just pragmata. It says a huge Capcom third-party IP. What, so it can't be a new one? It says a huge IP. So I'd say that's not Pragmata. But my reasoning for this is just due to Pragmata was first shown and exclusively shown at the PlayStation event. And on the PlayStation website, you can still find Pragmata. It's still on there. You can still see the trailer and screenshots from the game on the PlayStation site. So if this rumor is a separate thing, then fine, I'm wrong. But I'll tell you now, Pragmata's coming exclusive to PlayStation 5. That's fair. I suppose that's probably the one that makes the most logical sense, right? But I I think with this tweet, I'm trying to think about what it could be if it was like an existing, like, big, large IP. That's how I've read it anyway. And for me, the obvious answer is Street Fighter 6. Street Fighter 5, of course, came to uh, PlayStation 4 exclusively with the PC. If they manage to get this on the PlayStation 5, GG's, that means all your fighting games are tied up on the PlayStation 5. That's a massive counterpunch to anything that they're doing over there on the other side of the water in Xbox. It does make a massive difference because it ties up an entire genre. And sure, it's not the biggest genre in the world. Definitely not. Far from it. But it means that you're then going to have all your Mortal Kombat, you're going to have all your, your Guilty Gears, you're going to have everything all tied up in with the PlayStation and that makes a massive difference, as we've already spoken about on this podcast before. Guys, this just hit me. So what were the two words at the start of that tweet? Woohoo! There's a huge Capcom third-party IP. And what Capcom game has a woohoo in it? I'm talking about DuckTales. <laughs> Capcom made a DuckTales game back in the day. Imagine that comes back. There's the link. I'm putting it together. I'm threading those links. DuckTales, you've heard it first. It's coming back again. DuckTales, woohoo. Oh my god. <laughs> I hate that you've both done this to me. I just, a Street Fighter completely slipped my mind, and now DuckTales is coming out of the abyss. What the f- I thought Pragmata was solid, and now these, these spanners. Oh my god. DuckTales, would anyone... Over the age, anyone under the age of 30 give a flying fuck about DuckTales coming back? Probably not. My son, right, 
I um I got a little side story for you. I was on Disney Plus the other day and I saw DuckTales was on there and I was like, oh, DuckTales! I was like, Cass is going to love this. Put him down in front of it, walked off in the middle of the intro, did he? Literally no time for it. No time for it whatsoever. And I, I don't think many people would really care, if I'm honest with you. I would. I'd be quite hyped by this. But, um, but no. No, I don't think so. What's interesting, though, guys, from this is that none of us here think it's the game that can't be mentioned. Obviously, we've had loads of rumors about Outbreak coming back, about Resident Evil. Oh, that doesn't uh, count. That doesn't count, surely. That definitely that counts. Definitely that's, counts. That's counted in previous episodes. Resident Evil. Jesus, the fit. Gotta do a shot anyway, bro. That's a double. That's a double name. Right. So, I might as well finish what I was saying. So we've heard rumours for ages that there's going to be Resident Evil Outbreak and then Resident Evil Outrage, which is the new one apparently, which is kind of like a spiritual successor almost to Revelations 3, or you could you could call it Revelations 3. So the rumours that have been going around for ages are, of course, that uh, it's going to be a story centred around Leon. Of course, it's Leon. But it's also got Rebecca Chambers in there. And that, those rumours, they've been circling for forever, and then it's just gone dark. Could they potentially do that? Personally, to answer my own question, no, I don't think so. Because Resident Evil hasn't had an exclusive game since, what, Resident Evil 4's exclusivity on GameCube? For, for you know, where... It was a Times exclusive one. Yeah, where Shinji Mikami was like, <laughs> you'll never see this on PS2. Time when you see this on PS2, I'll cut my own head off with a chainsaw. And then it's three months later, because the GameCube didn't sell... Guess what? It's coming to PlayStation 2. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I can't see that. But I found that quite interesting that none of us threaded that link. You know, we none of us ever went to the point where we think, yeah, Resident Evil would be exclusive. I think it's about time I go get my shots then. Cheers, guys. <sighs> i got work in the morning. Anyway, as you were saying, Davey, now that you've both done your shots... I don't think any of us would complain if the aforementioned IP was the game we can't mention. That would just be a little, little, you know, thing on the cake, frosting on the cake. Be a bit happy with that. But if if we kind of, you know, workshop every other IP, and then it turns out, oh, sorry, lads, to disappoint you, it's actually the game you can't mention. It'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'd be buzzing <laughs> if because obviously Village, which I find to say, I'd imagine, was cross-plat or cross-gen. If this means that the next title in the franchise is PS5 exclusive, that's big. That's big news, which I'm not against cross-gen, but it's big. Personally, I just think, you know, franchises like that, they're being cross-plat forever. Just keep them cross-plat. I, I don't want to take that kind of experience from them. And I would say the same thing about Street Fighter, but we've already got historical kind of reasoning for it now. You know, if it carried on, it's not as bad as taking away something like the game that can't be mentioned from the Xbox people. I, I just feel I feel bad about that. I just, I, personally, it's be beneficial for me, of course, you know, if we get a better experience because it's exclusive to the platform. But I just don't like the idea of fans missing out on that content. Another IP I would quite like it to be, 
personally, would probably just be Devil May Cry. We haven't mentioned it yet. And that is a fantastic series. And obviously DMC5 was a fantastic game. People think it's the best Devil May Cry game. And I agree. I have a lot of love for DMC4, but I know DMC5 is a better game. But I don't think it did very well on Xbox. I think it mostly did well on PS on PS4. And then obviously we had the PS5 Enhanced Edition. And that's what I played. So I think it would make sense for that front for that IP to kind of jump ship and stay with PlayStation. And I love that IP, so I would be happy about that. So one thing's very clear from this. Capcom is probably one of our favorite publishers. I imagine we've named so many franchises from this one publisher that we all really enjoy and that we'd all be really happy to see come back. And let alone we've missed out loads of others. We haven't even touched on Beautiful Joe, Phoenix Wright, kind of anything else. There's so many great IPs from Capcom that if there is any third-party IP, a huge third-party IP, it's going to be a big deal. But we'll wait to see what happens with this as the weeks and months unfold. We interrupt this episode for breaking news. So guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Me and Phil, we were halfway through editing the podcast, and guess what happened? Turns out, the world just gave us a surprise curveball yet again. Two weeks in a row. But instead of being on my own for this, Phil, thank you for joining me today. No problem, my dude. Always here for you. And always here for the listeners. And that's who's most important, is you, the listeners. So what is this news, I hear you ask? Well. Bungie have now joined the PlayStation family for a deal of $3.6 billion. Who the fuck would have seen that coming, eh? So what I'm going to do, listeners, is I'm going to run you through the PlayStation blog post, just so we're all on the same level with this. And then I'm going to go through our kind of thoughts and our reactions to this. So I'll just read this out. Jim Ryan has posted, Today, I'm happy to announce Bungie will be joining the PlayStation family. First off, I want to be very clear to the community that Bungie will remain an independent and multi-platform studio and publisher. As such, we believe it makes sense for it to sit alongside the PlayStation Studios organization. We are incredibly excited about the opportunities for synergies and collaboration between these two world-class groups. I spent a lot of time with Pete Parsons, Jason Jones, and the Bungie management team to develop the right relationships where they will be fully backed and supported by Sony Interactive Entertainment and enabled to do what they do best build incredible worlds that captivate millions of people. Bungie's world-class expertise in multi-platform development and live game services will help us deliver on our vision of expanding PlayStation to hundreds of millions of gamers. Bungie is a great innovator and has developed incredible proprietary tools that will help PlayStation Studios achieve new heights under Herman Holt's leadership. So there you have it, Phil. Bungie are going to be working alongside PlayStation owned by PlayStation, but their own independent studio, doing their own thing, still releasing multi-platform games just like they have done with Destiny. So what were your thoughts about this? When you when you saw this news break on Twitter today, what went through your head? Well, Davey, after we recorded the last episode, episode 35, we went through our sort of predictions on, you know, what PlayStation should do. What I, what I sort of said within the episode was, I didn't think they should do anything at all. I think they should wait, and when they've got something, then announce it. But lo and behold, they had something in their back pocket 
all along. They had Bungie, best known for Xbox game Halo and Destiny, the multi-platform uh, shooter. Now, my question to you, Davey, do you think that was in the works before Xbox brought Activision Blizzard under their umbrella? Or do you think this is reactionary? I don't think they could have done it in a day. So there must have been some pre-planning. But the timing here, it seems as if they both knew what was happening. But Xbox, they jumped the gun and they had their announcement first. I don't know, if I'm honest with you. Now, obviously, these things take time to go through. And obviously, we got a, we got a while until this is all fully done. This is only the kind of proposed acquisition, just like it is with uh, Activision and Microsoft. It certainly seems like as if it's a fireback, though, doesn't it? it? It makes me wonder if maybe this has been in plan for a long time and we were going to be seeing some kind of event or some kind of announcement to do with Bungie coming out on stage and being like, guess what? We've just joined the family. And now they're just like, you know what? Fucking just fire back. Our shares are taking a hit. Fire back, boys. And they just literally ready the cannons and fire out this absolute bombshell onto the gaming masses. I just wish they would do this just before we record an episode rather than in the gap when a new episode's just about to go live. It's really annoying me now. I agree. They make our job so difficult, don't they? We always have to record things after an edit, in the in between an edit. Guys, tie it up with MPS We Trust schedule, please. It's not much to ask, is it? It's every other Friday, we just get trashed and talk PlayStation. Just literally announce it on the Thursday, if you don't mind. That would be great. That would be fantastic, actually. But I don't think there's any chance of that happening. Yeah, my reaction to this was disbelief to start with more than anything else. I, I couldn't believe what I'd seen. With Bungie, they've had a long relationship with many different publishers. So of course, as you quite rightly said, they formed the Halo franchise and that was all under Microsoft's banner. So then they broke away and struck up a deal with Activision for Destiny 1 and 2. Then after Destiny 2 and halfway through Destiny 2, up until this point, they broke away from them and went independent. And everyone's been loving them since they've been independent because they've been able to put content out a lot quicker. They're not under the same kind of deadlines that they were before. They're not going to have to monetize shaders like they were and for Destiny 2. There was all this egregious microtransactions. And now they're under us with PlayStation. Wild. Now, my first thought was, good God, I hope Sony don't lock any of their content down. I really hope they honor Destiny 2 and for all the players that play all over the place, all different consoles, I hope that continues. And i got to say, after reading this entire blog post, which of course I'll link in the podcast below, it's probably the most well-worded documents I've ever read when it comes to an acquisition, because it lays out exactly what the deal is going to be. The Bungie is still going to operate as their own thing, they're going to do exactly what they want to do, the only difference is they're sharing their tech and expertise with PlayStation and PlayStation is sharing their tech and expertise with Bungie and giving them the funding to do what they want to do. So the thing that I find really exciting about this, and it's in that PlayStation blog post that I just read out earlier, and it's this statement. Bungie is a great innovator and has developed incredible proprietary tools that will help PlayStation Studios achieve new heights. For me, that's spelling a couple of things here. First off, it means to me they're going to be sharing their shooting expertise with the PlayStation Studios. So it could very well be that, say, there's a new kill zone or a new resistance in development. They get Bungie in to have a look over everything, to make sure all the online code's working, to make sure how do they build like a kind of seamless open world that 
everyone can get together and go on different raids or different quests together. PlayStation never done anything like that before. So Bungie having their own tools that they've got with Destiny 2, be able to bring that in and have the shooting chops to be able to back that up. I think you can do a lot with, with Sony's existing franchises that they could leverage some of this technology to really push that to the next level. I'm thinking something like a Resistance, for example, where you can all kind of meet up and go out take on Chimera in different places. And they're like kind of siege events, you know, different events that are happening at certain times and you all go off and do that. And it'd be like its own multiplayer component. And I think that would be really exciting. And the same with Killzone, really. Being able to go out and just be able to go into like a shared kind of co-op campaign that you can then drop in, drop out at any point. Your mates all get together, you squad up, you go and take on some hard challenges. I, I think there's quite a lot there that they can learn from Destiny in that aspect. And I think that's something that they could bring to it, especially when you consider that Destiny 2 runs super well on PCs. Of course, we've got this PC push going on at the moment. This is a great way to bring in a first-person shooter studio and get them to show the rest of the PlayStation family what we can do here, because it's been a long time since Sony have had their hat in that ring. Well, that's my thought anyway. That's a really great point, because a lot of the things I'm reading now on the immediate reaction of this acquisition People are saying, are you going to be taking away Destiny? Are they going exclusive? And every answer back, and they've, as you said in the press release, it's very explicit that none of the games that Bungie are going to be releasing will be exclusive to PlayStation. They're still going to carry on supporting multi-platform. But what Bungie can do now that partnered up with PlayStation is impart their knowledge to the other studios, as you're saying, within PlayStation and enrich that experience for the other studios. As you said, teach them things that they've never done before. Bungie have got this rich heritage of shooters. Halo, Destiny, that's what they're known for. And now they can help out the guys within PlayStation. And so that's what I think is really exciting because then you think about what they're going to bring to Firesprite and really just make that studio who are already big ex-shooting game company people and level them up even higher. I mean, we're going to be looking at an ecosystem potentially in a few years' time that we've got a breadth of content. You know, we've got RPGs in Horizon. Well, action RPG, but, you know, same, same thing. We've got all our first-person story, story games that we love. And then we've got actual first-person shooters that have, like, meat and bones to them. Oh, it's going to be really exciting. The future is looking very bright. But one thing I think might have sort of slipped the net a little bit with this acquisition, Bungie... They're bringing their community to PlayStation. And I think that's a massive thing. Bungie have won multiple awards at the TGAs uh, for best community, best community support. And that's all down to how well they look after their player base. And I think personally, that's something PlayStation need to learn a little bit from Bungie. So that's another thing they can bring to PlayStation with this acquisition. I can't agree more. The best time I've ever seen PlayStation have like a really community focus was in the PS3 generation. It was for Killzone. Killzone 2 and 3 had really, really good community support. They had full clan systems um, that I'd never seen before at the time. It was like a brand new thing. They had like their little website that you could link to, set up your clan, challenge people to clan ladders and and all this different stuff that just, it didn't exist on, on console gaming anyway at that point. And it was like really unique and really, really good. But then we haven't had anything probably since Killzone 3, you know? We haven't had any kind of exclusive shooter that's really done anything. In fact, I don't think we've even had one. It goes to show that they could really learn a lot from this. And sure, it's really nice having, you know, photo contests on Twitter. 
for your community, which is what they do a lot these days. But this is taking it to another level with these guys. Like Bungie are the masters of this. They do this so well, like you said. It's looking bright. It's looking bright. And it doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. Uh, Jim Ryan has come out and he said Sony's got many more moves to make. So, yeah, it sounds like we're going to be seeing a lot more acquisitions over the next year. Well, I think we might have to leave it for the next episode because in, within two weeks, I'm sure that's going to give us plenty to talk about. And we'll be digging deep into this acquisition because we'll learn more about what's happening between Bungie and PlayStation within the next two weeks. Great point. And we can get Spencer's take. So let's bring it back on to the topics. Right, guys, as a special, before we get into the main topic of tonight, we got a listener topic, which is really nice. So over on our YouTube channel, Spectrix, he responded to us uh, from the last episode, from episode 34. And first off, he mentions about when we we're talking about teas and our tea tier list, which, of course, I was repping for some Yorkshire, and I think, Phil, you're big on the butcher's tea, if I remember you right. It was a butcher's tea called Miles's. Mm. He comes up with a really good suggestion. He mentions, of course, Twinings. Twinings tea bags. I mean, you can't go wrong with a Twinings. As I said to him in my reply, the only thing about Twinings is it's a hotel tea. It's like a special tea, you know? Anything that you've got to have like some little, like, little bit of string coming off it, too posh for me that's a, that's a special that's not a daily tea so i want to first off just give him a shout out for that because twining's great choice great choice of tea appreciate that but more importantly he comes back with a question for us guys and i want to get your opinion on this he said resistance definitely needs to make a comeback any other dead playstation ips you want to see return phil i see you looking around your room you're pondering the options in front of you what are you thinking what franchise would you want to see return to the PlayStation? Bearing in mind that Resistance is out of the question on this topic. I think it's a pretty easy one. And I think we've kind of touched on this topic quite a lot throughout this podcast, actually. And, and the title I always bring and I offer up to you guys is Heavenly Sword. It's a title that PlayStation obviously pushed quite heavily because it also featured within PlayStation All-Stars, as well as having a single-player game. But where is the next part of that story? I think it's a huge opportunity there that any developer could jump on, outside Lucid Games, because they don't do car games and they're not very good. And they, and they could bring that back to life. There's so much potential there. It's an IP people remember, because we're only talking about PS3. And you can introduce a lot of people. And it can be artistic as hell with that game. I remember a hair, the red hair and the sword flying around. It could be beautiful on the PS5. Imagine harnessing the power of what we can do now on PS5 with that type of game. It'd be incredible. So that would be the one I'd offer up. Would it worry you, though, that Heavenly Sword, it was originally developed by Ninja Theory, and of course they're now part of the Xbox family working on uh, Hellblade. Would you really trust somebody else to go in and make this? Because the only studio I could think of that could actually do this justice would probably be Santa Monica, you know, with their God of War prowess. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that. Would you mind somebody else taking up the reins on it? I think because we're talking about a PS3 game, you could open it up 
to someone that's just come into the family and been like, this is a perfect title for you to run with because our expectations aren't as high. It's not a game that is absolutely loved by the community. It's a game people remember, but not greatly loved. So they can improve on it. And it's got a lot to work with. As I said, the word there is potential with this title. What I'll add to that is, do you know who's great at working with PS3 games? It's fucking Blue Point, boys. <laughs> Just pass it to Blue Point. That could be their original project, is their sequel to Heavenly Sword. As we said before, Blue Point now, if they were under our management, would be working on pretty much every single game known to man. They'd, in fact, they'd be a bigger monolith than Xbox's new new game studios, you know? They'd, they'd have so many teams under them, doing so many projects, they would just be Blue Point Presents. And it would just be like, they're doing Metal Gear, they're doing fucking Heavenly Sword now, they're doing Lost Planet, they're doing like literally everything you can think of, they've got their fingers in the pie. And I'd be down for that. I'd prefer them to do something else other than Heavenly Sword though, Spence. So what are you thinking then? What are you thinking for your for your choice with this, what dead IP should PlayStation bring back in answer to Spectrix's question? I kind of, I have two IPs in mind. And the first one being Sly Cooper, which was a kind of sub mascot for the console, obviously not as big as say Crash or Spyro or whoever else. But Sly Cooper was a loved franchise and I thought it was great playing as that little fucking little thief, mate. He was class. You got the freaking zip line on your little little hook. He was cool as fuck. I'd love to see him make a return. But I think the IP that I'd love to see return, and it wouldn't even be to a big extent, it would honestly just be subtle, but I would love it, would be to see another Journey. Because Journey was fantastic. And picture how beautiful Journey could look on the PS5 in 4K60. Seeing a new Journey title would be unbelievable. How do you go about tackling that game though? Because that game is just so so memorable and so unique that surely creating a sequel to it would kind of sully that original vision. It'd be a case of either the literally the exact same thing, but different areas or literally just even a remake of the game just upscale to hell. But all I'm thinking is the haptics would be phenomenal with you gliding on the sand and stuff in the desert areas if you could feel the sand in your controller oh my god that would heighten the experience tenfold i would love to see journey make return whether it be a sequel or a remake or i wouldn't want to see a remaster unless it was like it'd be a remake fuck it it'd be a remake i don't want to see a remaster a remake or a sequel journey to electric boogaloo would be sick love the title choice my my choice that I would go to, and it, I'm starting this off, guys, because I think you've probably both forgotten about this, or certainly something that only clicked into my head earlier on this week when I was thinking about this, racking my head, thinking, well, the obvious answers for me would, of course, be Killzone, Motorstorm, Resistance, right? Those were where I'd go originally. Next level in the Onion would then be like Siphon Filter, Colony Wars, you know, those kind of games. Taking it back deeper than that. Those are all games I've spoken about before. Now I was thinking, hmm, what's the game that's just doing gangbusters every single time we look at sales data? Grand Theft Auto. 
What about the getaway boys? Why don't they bring the getaway back? Do you remember this game? The getaway was a London-based Grand Theft Auto. And it was incredible at the time. It had the original game came out in 2002 and the sequel came out in 2004, which was called The Getaway Black Monday, if I remember him right. They were done by Team uh, Team Soho, a London-based studio. And what I always remember about this game that blew me away is instead of having like a directional arrow to tell you where to go, like on Driver or any of the other games at the time, it had its indicators. When you were driving a car, the indicator would go off on like the right-hand indicator and you need to take the next right-hand turning. Um, and it's just cool things like that it did. But it was just an awesome, it was just GTA, but in London. It was just total rip-off of GTA, but in London. And it was awesome. I'd love to see that come back. I think they could do loads with something like that to be able to do their own open world sandbox game akin to GTA with less of the kind of American satire the GTA does and instead kind of the Guy Ritchie satire for UK cinema, you know, for like Lockstock and Snatch and shit like that. To be able to make that into a video game now and bring that out would be so hype and I can imagine that would sell fucking gangbusters for that kind of style of game. Have you got any thoughts about the getaway at all? About my deep cut, my third layer of the onion? Bro, I literally didn't know what it was until I just googled it. I think I've heard of it or at least I've seen it. Probably one of my mates had it on the PS2 but I've never owned it or I think played it myself. So I know extremely little about the getaway other than everything you've just said. Oh my god. What about yourself, Phil? You were old enough to be able to uh, remember this game, surely. Yeah, it's a PS2 game. I, I do remember it. And um, when I was doing my research earlier uh, for the podcast, because we do a little bit of research before, we don't just jump in and start talking on the mic. Uh, when I was like Googling around about PlayStation London uh, and, and the quick news that I read out earlier, um, they're sort of connected to the getaway. Um, so that's that's how I know a little bit about the game. But I, I never played it back in the day. I was never really a big Grand Theft Auto fan, so I would have never have gravitated towards this. Well, Spectrix, those are our choices. So I'm going for the getaway. Phil? Heavenly Sword. And Spencer? Either Sly Cooper or I'd rather Journey 2 or Remake. Well, you've had all our choices now. Spectrix has said that he's been personally rooting for Jack and Daxter to make a return for 12 long years. Unfortunately, Spectrix, I think you're going to be waiting longer. In fact, I think you're going to be waiting for the, till eternity for that to come back because Naughty Dog, as we all know, were the developers behind Jack and Daxter and they've moved on to bigger and grander things. I don't think anybody, and I'm sorry if I'm putting words in your mouth, Spectrix, I don't think anybody would be over the moon we're seeing them say, well, we're not going to do the next Uncharted. We're not going to do the next Last of Us because we're doing Jack and Daxter. I don't think anybody would be excited by that news. I think what they've done in being able to take gaming to a whole other level with the franchises that they've been doing since then has cemented themselves as a developer way past a simple platformer. And I'm not putting platformers down. I love Ratchet and Clank. You know, I love Mario. You know, I, I love Jack and Dexter. In fact, I got the platinum for the first one. Personally, I do agree uh, with Spectrix. I would love to see Jack and Dexter come back. Um, but again, I couldn't see them coming back with Naughty Dog. 
I could see them coming back potentially with a different studio. I'll say if Naughty Dog come out saying we're not making Last of Us 3, we're doing Jack and Daxter instead, Spectrix, mate, I'm coming to your house. I think that'll be all of us, to be fair, mate. We'll all be just rolling up, getting out the fucking, getting out the car and just baseball bats in hand, knocking on the door. His mum answers. Hello? Oh, hi. Is, is Spectrix in? Hold on. Spectrix? Spectrix? Got some people here? He's like, oh, it's, it's the podcast I do. How are you doing? And we just beat the fucking living shit out of him. Uh, and then... The funny thing would be that Spectrix walks down and he's built like a brick shit house, <laughs> And we're like, oh, hi, Spectrix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like, oh, oh, I'm so happy that Jack and Dax has come back. <laughs> and then just walk off back in the car. Bye. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, that was that was weird. <laughs> oh dear God. Oh dear God. But yeah, like you were saying, like you were saying, Phil, putting it back on track. If someone else got a crack at Jack and Dexter, I'd be happy for them to come back. I really would. I actually really would. The only thing is with that franchise that I find doesn't click with me as much as something say like Ratchet or uh or hell, even like Sly Cooper, is that it changed so much over the course of its run. So the the first game is what I like from Jack and Dax. So I like that kind of simple platforming, just really fun kind of collect-a-thong game. Whereas number two then went into more like kind of shooting mechanics. It's darker story for Jack, and it just didn't really vibe with me as much as the original entry did. So personally, I'd like to see him return to the first game, but I know I probably got an outlier opinion on that one. So I hope we've answered your question there, Spectrix. And remember, listeners, if you want to interact with the show, you can comment on the YouTube video and I'll make sure to respond to you because I look after that. You can write in to us on Twitter or probably the best way is you can write to us on our email, psutrust at gmail.com. Let's move it into the main topic. Stop. Topic time. Okay, so we are at the topics and I am pleased to say... That joining us this episode, making his return to In PS We Trust, the one, the only, Potato Chief. Thank you, thank you. Thank you all. They go all wild. You they love thank you so much. Is this the second or third? The third time, I believe, right? I've, I've lost count. I think this is the third time. I think so. I, yeah, because I think we had you on for the Bethesda, Bethesda thing. And then we had you on then for... Do we have you on around E3? Around E3 time? I think we did. Do I get anything for being a three-time free time guest? or? Uh... No, not just yet. Not just yet. I mean, maybe we'll think about something for maybe the fifth. The fifth appearance sounds like a good good number, doesn't it? You know, three years, nothing really, is it? What is three years in marriage? Is that paper? I don't even know what that is. Feather or some, some bollock, maybe jelly? I, I don't know. It's not going to be something great, is it? Um, anyway, right. Let's, let's dive into what we're actually covering today and what this topic is and why we've brought in Lewis with us today, Potato Chief. So, as I mentioned in a quick little news update on the last episode, and it was hot off the press at the time on the day of actually us editing the episode, was that Activision Blizzard are now part of Microsoft. In a, in a, in a deal that shocked the world, 
$68.7 billion they were acquired. Absolutely insane. Now, Activision Blizzard, as we know, are one of the biggest developers in the world. In fact, they're the fifth biggest gaming company in the world by revenue. So it's a massive deal that nobody saw coming. And so I kind of want to go across to you guys and get your thoughts on this before we then break it down further and get in some real nitty gritty on this. And as we brought you in, Lewis, it probably makes sense to come to you first, seeing as you're the resident Xbox guy. Selfishly, uh, I, I'm quite happy about it because that means there's going to be a lot of games coming to Game Pass from the back catalogue. Uh, also, I feel there's been a lot of stuff going on in Activision, some dodgy stuff going on, and I'm hoping that Microsoft could maybe clean that up. But like overall, I'm not a huge fan of consolidation in like the industry and people buying people out. So it, yeah, it, it's it's one of those ones. It's mixed feelings. But for me personally, it's great because I have Game Pass and that's all I mainly play my games on. But I can see the I can see why people would be annoyed as well. So I can see where everyone's coming from on this one. It is it's a very big subject to tackle. Definitely, and it's our job to tackle it. But. Phil, coming across to yourself, what are your thoughts on this one? Mate, this is the biggest news of the year, and the year has only just started. It blew my Twitter apart. I remember being in work when the when the news broke, and I, I was like mid-meeting, and I literally had to say, guys, I'm, I'm just going to have to take five minutes out of this. I took five minutes outside the meeting and just read the news article, and I was shocked. I, I honestly could not believe something like this has gone on crazy crazy news yeah do you know i was i was quite the same actually i was in i was in the middle of work and i was uh i don't know i was just listening to some kind of calls or something like that some management stuff and then on my twitter then i just saw microsoft has acquired you know microsoft has acquired this legendary deal and i was like what what the hell is this clicked on it i was like what the what the fuck I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. It was it was just like it was wild. It was it was absolutely wild. And that entire day was just was insane, absolutely insane. But Spencer, what are you thinking about all this? Um well obviously the news broke to me. I think I was in work as well, but I might not have been. Can't remember fully. I think I saw you boys posted it in our group chat and that's how I knew. Um It's big. It is big, it's fucking massive. I, I feel as though I have no right to be angry about it. Because we get fantastic acquisitions from Sony. But I love COD. I do love COD. And they're taking my COD away. But then all the other games, I play them on PC. So it's calm. I was also in work. I just got a, ras- I just got a random message on my phone saying, holy shit, from one of my friends. And I was like, what? What's holy shit? And then I checked my Twitter. And then, yeah, it, it blew up. So, I mean, it is one of those things. It's like... Uh, where were you when this person died or where were you when this event happened? It's like, it's one of those kind of moments Like you will always remember where you were. When Cass grows up, I, I, I really wasn't anticipating him turning around to me when he's like 10 and being like, Daddy, what was it like? What was it like when Activision Blizzard joined, joined Microsoft? Now I'm going to have to think about that. I'm going to think about what my question was. And in fact, I could just say, well, I'll tell you what, son, just listen to episode 35 of MPS We Trust and, and he'll, be, he'll be covered. You know, I, I've got insurance now moving forward, which is quite nice. 
But bringing this back on track and what I want to actually talk about with this. So we kind of got our initial top level thoughts. I want to break it down further into what this actually means for us and how much of a deal this is going to make across the wider gaming landscape. But first, before I get into that point, I do want to pick up on something that Lewis said there. So, Lewis, you mentioned about how you were kind of against um, the kind of consolidation of the gaming industry. And, and that's very much how I feel about this. Because looking at this deal, I never thought, you know, your EAs, your Activisions, your Ubisofts, you know, hell, even Capcom. Right, and obviously Capcom are on a much smaller scale than the other companies I've listed there. I thought these guys were just untouchable. I thought they were just constants that was just going to run forever. Um, and seeing this now, like the kind of power that Activision Blizzard have going under Microsoft's control, it does get me really, really worried. It really does, and not so not so much for the fact of what's coming out in the future, but more a case of what we've always always had in the past. So our franchises that we've always had, you know, our Call of Duties, our, Di- well, our Diablo ever since PS3, uh, our Overwatches, you know, these these games that have like a legacy, I suppose, on older platforms and, and, and systems across the whole breadth of gaming. Now there's that potential that we could potentially lose access to those as PlayStation and hell, even I suppose Nintendo players. And, and that does get me really concerned. What are you kind of thinking about this? What do you reckon the attack is going to be moving forward? Uh, a lot of the news has already come out uh, that uh, it does seem like it's a three-year deal still going forward anyway with Call of Duty. So that apparently the next two Call of Duties and the next Warzone are all going to still be on PlayStation. So it's not going to be an instant thing. It's not like you're going to wake up and it's all, all Call of Duty's gone forever. But I... I, I... I mean, I, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but I do think it's, they are going to go exclusive after that point. Uh, well, at least the annual ones. I think Warzone... Uh, Microsoft has shown anything that's like an active live service game, they do seem to keep on multi-platforms. But anything that's like new, they might go exclusive. So I think Warzone and Warzone 2 will probably still remain on PlayStation, but I think the annualized Call of Duties will probably become exclusive. Um... And I, I do think that kind of sucks. I do, I do, I, I, I do agree. But I, I mean, I'm not a Call of Duty fan to be honest, so it it doesn't really affect me personally. Uh, I haven't played a Call of Duty since Black Ops One, so no. Go ahead. All I was gonna say is that you really need to get Killzone or Resistance or SOCOM or something in the works, uh, or maybe try and get the exclusive deals to Valorant on uh, console when that eventually comes over. So I, I'm not a fan of Valorant, but I'm just saying you need a shooter is is looking a bit dire if you're a shooter fan on playstation at the moment it's a bit more it is worrying and that's coming from an xbox person i i think that's a really good point and that's something actually i'm gonna i'm gonna dive into and ask you guys in a little bit actually is what we should do moving forward and and should sony have some kind of counter attack or what should their strategy be but spence you are a call of duty player you and me, over the last couple of years, have been somehow suckered into Call of Duty ever since Modern Warfare, and now we get about two months or three months worth of the podcast where all we discuss is Call of Duty. Like, literally every single episode is, oh, we just played the alpha. The alpha was amazing. You know, we're just clapping people. And then it's the beta, and then we're like, oh, do you know what? We're just smoking hot fire on this. And then we get the actual game, we get the platinum, and then we never talk about it again. 
So that seems to happen pretty much every single year. It certainly has since the launch of this podcast. What are your thoughts on this then, Spence? Is the fact that we could potentially be losing Call of Duty in a couple of years' time, in three years, like, like Lewis said, does that make you worried at all? I've thought about this a little bit. It's a bit worrying because COD's just kind of like a nice way to blow off steam. And it's a nice platinum to earn because it's always a low percent rate. And it's fun. It's a fun game. But it's, I don't think it's an essential game, at least not for me. I'd much rather have my story-based game, my Sony exclusives, rather than have Call of Duty every year. So as much as like it does suck to not have that game, or eventually, potentially not have that game, it's not the end of the world. And if I desperately want it, I'll play it on my PC. But I also do want to say, you said you thought Blizzard Activision were untouchable. They were. Until they touched some people themselves. And now they're touchable too. <laughs> So that's what's happened there. It all comes around full circle, doesn't it? You know, you start fondling and someone's going to fondle you. It's, it's like the same way that whenever somebody goes to prison and they've been, you know, a child molester or something, they get the absolute shit kicked out of them, don't they? You know, it comes around to, it comes around to bite you in the ass. It's karma. It, it, in fact, that might be the best example of karma I've ever heard in my life, actually. Why don't they teach that in school? You know, if you fondle kids or kids, if you're fondled, then don't worry, that guy is going to get the absolute living shit kicked out of him. Here's a shank. Let me talk to you about shanks there, kids. Or he'll get $300 million paid off to leave his job and uh, get away with it scot-free, which is why it looks like it's going to happen with Body Codec, unfortunately. No, you're absolutely bang on. You're, you're not going to get any pushback from this podcast, that's for damn sure. And Phil, you are an absolute nerd when it comes to World of Warcraft. So... Is this going to have any impact on you? Do you reckon that potentially they could have World of Warcraft coming to like Xbox consoles or or anything like that? Do you think there's any kind of potential that we could see a shakeup with World of Warcraft and the the wider wider kind of community? Does anyone care? Well, Davey, you know me. I'm a massive advocate for for everyone getting access to everything on every platform, right? But last year we had got God of War on PC. And I never thought that was going to happen, especially with a Sony exclusive. God of War is the Sony exclusive. It's one of the main reasons you would buy a PlayStation to buy God of War. And now that's on PC. So I, I love it when the platforms are opened up. All this news about Activision, you know, teaming up with Microsoft and you're threatening now to take away my games. I, I just don't like the sound of that. Going, going off your point of Blizzard, I think it matters less about the Blizzard part of Activision, purely because Blizzard is so PC-focused. And to be honest, has, has any of the games really taken off on console? I mean, their shooter did okay, but primarily when you're talking about Blizzard, you're talking about World of Warcraft, you're talking about Hearthstone, you're talking about Starcraft, and they're all very PC-centric games. But when we're talking about uh, Call of Duty, obviously that matters hugely, I think. You know, that, that's the big one, really, with this acquisition. And as you said, I could see, you know, them cutting back on the content that is available on other platforms, definitely in the immediacy of this acquisition. And then a phased approach to sort of bring that back every step along the way. So every iteration of COD that you get, they're going to take away something and they're going to say, guys, you want to come to Xbox because we've got X, Y, and Z more than you'll get on PlayStation. And... I know Xbox really up, up, up front with their marketing, so they would probably say that type of thing. But at the same time, I'm a, I'm a 16-year-old kid. 
walking into game and I love COD. What console am I going to buy now? It's just the empty threat of them taking it away from PlayStation, even though they haven't, that I'm just automatically going to buy an Xbox these days. And I think that's one of the biggest effects this contract is going to have now. Oh, for sure. I mean, Call of Duty was the number one and number two highest selling games last year. Like the previous year's Call of Duty and uh, the Valorant. The Valorant. Uh, what's the newest one? Sorry. The newest. Vanguard. Vanguard, Vanguard. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like the highest two selling games on PlayStation. So, I mean, it, it's a bit more of a casual, like more broad game. So I think it will affect people. It will be a big deal when, if or when that happens. But as you were saying about content being cut out, they do do that already with PlayStation getting contact, uh, some content early. It just will be flipped over, I would imagine, once Xbox gets it. Also, the fact that you can get it on Game Pass will probably be a big deal as well. The fact that people could get it for £10 a month instead of paying 70 up front for it as well. So... Even if it doesn't go exclusive, it is still a big threat to uh, PlayStation, I think. Yeah, actually, sticking onto the COD thing just for a moment, actually, because it's probably worth saying this. So, uh, as you quite rightly said, Lewis, PlayStation have a marketing deal with Call of Duty. Um, now, we don't know how long that marketing deal is for, although I'd imagine by the news that we've had about the next three games coming to PlayStation, I imagine it's for probably the next three, the next three games, right? That that marketing deal is still there. So it means that you can probably expect when we get towards E3 this year that we're going to see our first like trailer shown on a Sony stage. We're going to still see that close tie between the platform uh, of PlayStation and the wider COD community, especially when it comes to their tournament play and kind of everything else. And then I, I imagine, like you said, Lewis, you know, three years down the line, three core duties, we then revert then to that being an Xbox based, like it was back on the 360, and I don't want to. I don't want to put any like scarers out there now, or anything to make you shit your pants. But the Xbox 360 in Call of Duty was massive back in the day. I remember literally everyone that I spoke to played that game on 360 because they got their maps early. They got kind of everything. And sure, the marketing deal then was more egregious than it is these days. The extra modes we get now are really throwaway. They're really shit. And the um, the only other thing we get is like extra class setups. We get like an extra three class setups when there's already, like, nine as a base game? I mean, how many fucking class setups do you need? I, I got two guns I use. That, that's it, right? That, that's all you need. You need an LMG, and you need an assault rifle. That, that's all you need. If you're playing SMGs, you're a fucking loser. Right, don't do that, right? Anyway, moving it back on point. What I can see happening is exactly what you're saying, is that they would still keep it on PlayStation, because why the fuck not right? You're earning bank from that. And the player base already on PlayStation is much bigger than it is on, on Xbox. This year, this expected, uh, analysts have predicted that the PlayStation is going to outsell the Xbox two to one. Um, so if you compare the sales figures that you could get charging £70 and still entice them in with, with Xbox Game Pass, so you still got that optic that Xbox Game Pass is much better value, why wouldn't you do that? If you just take that content away, Sure, you're forcing people to go that way, but it doesn't look as good optically. I mean, the other only other option really is that Xbox use this to try and get Game Pass onto PlayStation because that is something they've been trying to do, and they might use this as a leverage. I don't think it would work. I don't think PlayStation would do it, but they might go. If you want Call of Duty, you gotta give you gotta put Game Pass on your PlayStation, 
and then like th- that might be their way of doing it. I, I don't think it'll actually happen, but I think that might be partly what they might try and do as well. I'll tell you right now, Sony, even if they thought, you know what, yeah, let's do it. Sony don't even know how to put it on their system. Sony's software is dog shit. They wouldn't figure that out for about 12 years. So there's no chance that's happening. What, what about, okay, we're not going to be putting Game Pass on PlayStation, but we put Battle.net on PlayStation. And we serve Activision Blizzard games through Battle.net onto PlayStation. And, and that's your route in. Because that, that infrastructure already exists. Um, Battle.net is the delivery service for World of Warcraft, Starcraft, all, all the all the big Blizzard games, and I believe they ship Destiny strangely through it as well at some stage. And they've also uh, done bits and pieces with Call of Duty. So why wouldn't that be their route onto PlayStation? I think that seems more agreeable from a PlayStation uh, focus as opposed to saying now we're going to put Xbox on PlayStation because that's just confusing. I think the thing that you've got to think about right is that. Sony take a 30% rip from anything they get sold onto their platform. So a- anything that's put on their Call of Duty now, say, for example, you can only buy the skins and, you know, all your cosmetic items and the actual, all the bullshit that comes with Call of Duty these days, you know, your little aiming reticles. You can only buy that stuff through the PlayStation Store. and They take a 30% rip from that. So if they had that on their own kind of game launcher and it had, like, potentially its own store built into it or anything like that, there is no chance... I reckon there's a blanket ban. They would never allow anything like that, ever. The most I've ever seen them allow is like Uplay for like a Ubisoft game where you can go on and redeem your bullshit points for some random costume for Assassin's Creed, you know? That's that's the most you, you're going to get. I've never seen any other kind of integration uh, built into it whatsoever. I remember seeing um, the Steam launcher thing come up on Portal 2 when we, when we like made a Steam account to be friends. And that was wild. And I've never seen anything like that ever, ever since, ever. So I, I, can't, I can't see that. The good old days of PS3 where anything was possible, mate. Anything was possible on a PS3. I mean, I don't see it happening, as I've said, but as I feel like this is what Xbox want. And they're going to... And they go, well, we wanted to give them Call of Duty, but they wouldn't give us Game Pass. So what are we going to do? We're going to just have to keep it to ourselves. Sorry, we're the good guys and all of this. You know, like, like that's why I can see the the scenario being like they twist it to try and use, as I said, use it as leverage on against PlayStation because it is a big leverage tool. Yeah, I, I, I think I think you're right. I think that's definitely the way that, that I would go about doing this if I was them. Because as we said with any of these things, like with the Bethesda deal, lock it down. Just make it, just fucking lock that shit down because Sony would do exactly the same thing. That's, that's the smarter thing to do. In terms of when I first heard about this news and I covered it on uh, episode 34 in the last episode I did my breaking news, I was saying about how this is like really going to hurt PlayStation in the back pocket you know, this is like one of their biggest things they have every single year. Someone, bless them, they got more time than sense, I imagine. They've gone out and actually ripped out how much this will cost the brand. So if Microsoft pulls uh, Activision uh, games from PlayStation, Sony will lose between 87 to 260 million in profits a year. And that sounds pretty wild, right? It sounds pretty mad. But when you compare that last year, their operating profit for 12 months was... was 8.8 billion you know sony are the biggest the the biggest platform for games by a massive 
majority. Sony's gaming revenue last year was $25 billion. Uh, this is just in the US, by the way. Uh, Tencent, so the company who owns Riot and everything, the fucking everything, the Chinese uh, Chinese Tencent. I mean, I've already spoken about them before on the podcast. They're $13.9 billion. So there's a massive gap between them. So ultimately, it's not going to really damage them that much. But you've got to think about the extra costs that come with this in that the casual market, as Lewis had said earlier, two games that are going to make them flood in, FIFA and Call of Duty. And if you lock out Call of Duty, you're then losing out from those casuals then saying, oh, do you know what? While I'm here, I'm going to get X, Y, and Z. Whereas if they went to Xbox, then they say, oh, well, while I'm here, I'm just going to get Game Pass and then I don't have to buy anything ever again. So that's kind of the opportunity cost that you've got here with this. I mean, they did lose twenty million, uh, twenty billion on the stock market, didn't they? As soon as this was announced, because you were saying about how much money they lose, didn't they take a massive dip? I think it has recovered now, but I can't remember exactly how much it was. I think it was twenty, twenty billion dip. Yeah, you're exactly bang on. Yeah, it was a twenty billion dollar hit straight after the news. Um, now, just for um, openness with our audience, um, I bought Sony stock um, a while ago. Um, not very much of it. Um, but I bought Sony stock and I bought Activision stock when the scandals were happening. So I thought, ooh, I could see, I could see some money to be made here, right? Because it dipped proper low. I mean, they they lost so much money. I was like, I- I'm buying into this, right? Capitalism wins. You know, fuck morals, capitalism wins. So I bought some stock. So it kind of all leveled out for me because Activision jumped right up and Sony absolutely bottomed. But um, Sony kind of settled. They haven't, they haven't hit the same level as they were. Uh, when the market opened that day of of this fucking news, but it has been improving. Um, but you know, I lost I lost ten quid just yesterday in the Sony stock, so it, it's still it, it's not it's not looking good. It's not looking good. Right then, so I think we've covered off all our initial thoughts. Now, as Lewis kind of alluded to earlier about potential plans that Sony could do for a comeback or for a, like a rallying a rally cry to bring themselves back into the battle. What do you think they could do here? And or, or, ooh, here we go, ooh, should they do anything? Spencer, let's go to you. I think the easiest solution, or the one that people expect the most, is to bring back, like, Killzone or Resistance. I think Killzone makes the most sense. However, honestly, I, I don't think they're going to do anything. I don't think they have to, at least for the meantime. If we're still getting COD for the next three years, they don't really have to rebuttal. And all the other games have never exactly been huge on PlayStation, so they don't really have to worry about those games at all. It's mostly just COD and... I mean... I I don't think they care fully. Obviously, it sucks they lost a lot of money in that, but... Killzone's the easy option. They could make a new IP. That would be fucking awesome. But I think ultimately they should know... That no matter what they do to kind of fight back, it will never be as big as COD. There is no way they could bring out a new game of any IP and it challenge COD. People have challenged COD in the past and they fucking fail. Xbox have been challenging COD for years with Halo and now they've given up and just bought it. I, I can't remember the name of the studio, but didn't PlayStation recently buy a new studio with a load of ex-devs from Call of Duty and Halo and all, all, all shooters? So I'm assuming they're building some kind of shooter anyway. I don't know if it'd be a new IP, but 
I mean, it does look like there might be a shooter on the cards already. Um, I'm not sure the name of the studio if you guys know what which one I'm referring to. We'll double check. I don't have a fucking clue. Nothing else to do. So that's all I Google. So Fire Sprite were purchased earlier this year and they came out on that really egregious stage where they were like, hi, we're Fire Sprite. And there's two guys just t-shirts on saying Fire Sprite on. They're like, we've just been bought by Sony. We look forward to showing you what we got soon. And Jeff Keighley's like, thanks for coming out. And that was it. And that was it. And it's like, brilliant. Great job, guys. Great job. But yeah, you're right. So th- there's definitely something in the cards here uh, in terms of first-person shooters, and they've already said they're working on an online-centric experience, uh, which is going to be a next-gen-only, you know, world-class-beating experience. But we'll have to kind of wait and see if the proof's in the pudding, because I've been burnt too many times by Lucid Games that I, I'm, I'm still kind of... Uh, I'm not sure. I'll have to wait and see. But no, I, I think, Spence, I think you've got a really good point there uh, in saying that do they really care about this? And I disagree with you. I think they do care. I think this is something that they actually really give a shit about. Compared to Bethesda, where Bethesda games generally, over the last few years, have been shit. Anything that Bethesda have done themselves have been shit. Any of the studios that Bethesda have bought, you know, talking about Arcane, uh, talking about uh, Doom, the Doom developers, they're fantastic. Anything that Bethesda do themselves... It's hot fucking trash. Fallout 76, trash. Fallout 4, trash. They're they're literally, they're they're rubbish. But this deal is fucking big. Sure, Blizzard have had the absolute living shit kicked out of them this year. You know, well, last year. Like, the absolute living shit kicked out of them with all the scandals that are happening. Um, And the Warcraft 3 Reforged Edition was terrible. Uh, in fact, it's one of the worst games on Metacritic uh, for user votes. It's awful. But by and large, their franchises that they do over in Activision Blizzard are fantastic. You know, Call of Duty being able to be on a three-year time schedule and release game after game after game that sells the amount that it does, that is going to put a bit of fire under Sony's ass. But before I give you my thoughts about this and what they're going to do, Bill... What are you thinking about this? What is their plan? Um, for me, I, I disagree as well. Uh, exactly the same as you, Davey, uh, with what Spencer was saying. I think Sony have been shook. Shook like the rest of the world on this news. Um, but personally, I can't see you know Sony going out and reacting straight away. It would just come across so petty if immediately they just go and buy another studio. Or they, st- or they just tell you that they've got this new FPS in the works, this new secret game. It's just not going to happen. The best thing not... The best thing to do, like with bullies, when they get on your case, is to just ignore them and they go away. And that's what Sony are going to do because Microsoft are trying to bully us at the moment by going, we got all this money, boom, and we're putting it down. We're showing the big bags. So we just got to ignore it for now, bide our time, and when it's right, we'll strike. When Gabe Newell is on the phone and we speak to Valve and we we got that Counter-Strike contract in our bag, then we'll drop it. Then. You think that Gabe's going to do anything. He's sitting there on a chair full of money, right, where he just watches steam money just roll in. And he's, like, got all these guys coming in, one after another. There's, like, a line. I imagine there's, like, a line that, that goes, like, two blocks around the corner for, for our American audience. I use blocks. 
And all it is is people coming in and saying, I've got an idea for Half-Life 3. It's like, next. I've got an idea for Half-Life 3. Next. And he literally binning them off, binning them off, binning them off. Because all he wants to do is just sit there, have a wank over his money. And I can't blame him. I'd probably be the same. Well, Davey, I, I've got, got some news for him. Half-Life 3 on PlayStation 5. That's what he needs to do. <laughs> You've heard it first on MPS We Trust. Don't at that me. Is fucking, that is ludicrous. That is ludicrous. Well, my thoughts on this, what they could do. I want to first off just say that everyone on Twitter does my fucking head in. Everyone on Twitter. I mean that you, you probably do my head in, listener, on Twitter. Because everyone is literally saying, oh, well, now it's time for somebody to go out and buy Square. Now it's time for them to go out and buy Capcom. Now it's time for them to go and buy EA. It's like, no, I'm against this kind of mass buying of studios. I'd much prefer them to build up their own studios, which they've been doing, and then go from there. I mean, you look at what they've done with Bluepoint. What they've done with Insomniac. You know, these kind of studios that are now making world-class level games for that platform solely there because they got a strong tie to the platform. So even if they're not owned, they got such a close relationship that then when they become owned, it's massive news for them. I'd much prefer that than to say, oh, do you know what? The game that can't be mentioned, DMC, everything like that, Monster Hunter, fuck off Nintendo. We've got it all on PlayStation now. No, I don't want that for anybody. I don't want any of the franchises that I love playing gated out because Sony goes out and buys Capcom or fucking Square because they're not buying it yet. They don't have that kind of money. No, I think I think what you were saying, Lewis, makes perfect sense. I think the way they need to, to come back to this, kind of taking both yours and Phil approach here. Sorry, Spence, I'm kind of putting your opinion to the side here and binning it off, but... Phil and Lewis, I think, I think you're onto something here. I think you just literally just bide your time, just wait. And then when you've got something to show, you come back with Killzone or Resistance. One of those two franchises that we've been crying out for since fucking PlayStation 4, because we didn't get anything from Killzone since uh, the PlayStation Vita Mercenary game. And we haven't had anything for Resistance since... Jesus Christ, I think Burning Skies was the last Resistance game on PlayStation Vita, and that was terrible. I paid to get the Platinum on that because I had to buy the Network Pass to play one game of online, which is the last trophy I needed. So I paid eleven ninety nine for that Platinum. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They need to bring one of these back. And Insomniac are doing my absolute nutting because they are blue-balling me every single opportunity they get. They are constantly posting out pictures of Resistance pretty much every other day. It's either Ratchet and Clank or Resistance. They're showing nothing else. Nothing else. No, no Spider-Man clips. Nothing. Because we all know they're doing it. But they're like, eh, let's just put out the mothership from Resistance 2. Let's just put that picture out there today. Just, oh, I hope you guys are having a lovely Tuesday. Here's a picture of Resistance Chimera. And you're like, come on, guys. We're all crying for it. And Sony need to have their hat in the ring for this for, for this series of games. We got no FPS games at all. None. We could bring back Mag or uh, Haze. Those are those are, you know that that would be pretty good. <laughs> Haze, Jesus Christ! 
he's has come up on this podcast before, and uh, it, it certainly didn't get the shine that uh, that it needs. <laughs> I I would rather I would rather literally eat my own DualShock controller, my dual, my own DualSense controller. I'd rather just eat it than have to force myself through Haze again. Like, oh my god, that would be awful. Mac though. Might get me thinking about a bit of mag, you know, getting a two hundred and fifty-six man multiplayer mode on there on a PlayStation Three, which didn't fucking work. The game was terrible. <laughs> shocking, absolutely shocking idea. Uh, I was also going to mention that you were saying about Blizzard. We forgot about the uh, Diablo coming to mobile phones as well, you know, because don't you have phones? Uh, that was uh, another thing from Blizzard. And also, I was going to mention because you were saying about how how. Um, Bethesda have been crap lately. I do feel like that's when Xbox buy these companies is when they're on their low point. So if you see any company uh, struggling, uh, watch out because Xbox might buy them. It's just uh, that that's also a thing I seem to have noticed as well. Yeah, just going off your first point there, uh, Lewis, I, I, I think the mobile acquisition part of, um, part of Activision, um, I, I think that that's really really big really really important i know a lot of people are like sony candy crush but has microsoft got any games any mobile games of note not that i'm aware of uh there is they did get uh roundhouse games with the professor deal which is a mobile developer but they haven't released anything as far as i'm aware so no, as far as the King is a big purchase for them with uh, to get into the mobile market. That is for sure. Uh, Candy Crush does make billions still. It's still like the highest grossing mobile game in in the world still years after its release. I think that's huge for Microsoft and massively important and something a lot of people are not uh, completely missing. They're concentrating on COD, but they're not talking about mobile. I think I think that's a huge part of this acquisition. I think you're probably right on that, actually, because they did say in, in one of their um, press releases about how they want to be able to rival the metaverse. I, I really hate that name. I really hate that Facebook have done that. Um, yeah, they want, they want to be able to rival that. So there is there's probably something there. That, that definitely came into the equation, without a doubt. Lewis, I do want to ask you something, though, from the Xbox perspective. You've got a lot of studios now under, under the Xbox belt. Do you think they're actually being managed properly? Because I'm really concerned that we're now a year and a bit into this generation. And all we've seen from them is Forza, which, of course, the, you know, the Forza guys is Playground, isn't it? Is it Playground Games? Yeah, Forza Horizon is Playground Games, but uh, Turn 10 is the motorsports. So, yeah, it's Playground Games. Gotcha. Those guys are great. I mean, they're putting out, they're putting out world-class racing games, you know, annually uh, or biannually and doing an amazing job with it. But in terms of their wider series, they're having an absolute nightmare. There's been like nothing. There's been literally like nothing on the platform for like an entire entire year almost. Um, I mean, Halo, of course, was supposed to come out on launch and then came out super, super late into, in, in you know, it came out a full year later. And even, even then, it doesn't have Forge. It doesn't have all the kind of features that you'd expect for a Halo game on launch. Do, are you kind of worried that maybe they're biting off more they can chew here? And this is actually becoming too much of a, of a beast for them to be able to manage properly? Um, I mean that is a good question. Honestly, I, I I don't know. Is the is the honest answer to that? Uh, 
The only thing is, I feel like they can't possibly be managing Activision any worse than Activision were managing themselves. I mean, that that's probably the only thing I could possibly say when it comes to that. Um, we're getting the first Bethesda exclusives come in this year. Uh, they just it does seem like it, it, with Xbox, it's always been it's coming soon. Everything's coming. It's coming. It's going to be any minute now. It's, the the exclusives are going to be here any second, and there's a massive list of like. 2030 games and we're not sure when they're coming out 2023 2024 so i do agree it is a little concerning but i think uh phil spencer is very good he seems very good at his job from what i can tell so i'm hoping that they're doing good management but only time will tell i i think yeah because of the lack of games i think the xbox community are losing track of what developers they own and what they don't i saw a meme going around the other day where they were claiming that housemark was under the xbox uh umbrella i mean to be fair they did have more exclusive this uh holiday season than playstation did so i don't really know what well, two <laughs> two more than two yeah, two, <laughs> two more than zero <laughs> When you compare this entire year at PlayStation, where you've had you've had Demon Souls, you've had Ratchet, you've had Returnal, I mean, do you need any more? Like, come on, do you do you need any more than that? That I mean, we've had a fantastic, we've been eating good on this side. We've been eating too good, to be honest with you. So I was glad to see you know Halo come out and and Halo do well. I I really wish I I mean we didn't have you on when we were talking about Halo, but I really wish that I'd been able to play Halo properly, that maybe I could use, you know, mouse and keyboard, because uh, it, it it did look great. It looked really fun. I'm glad that people have really enjoyed that. But that that is my concern. I, I do wonder if at a certain point you swell to such an extent, you know, you've got so many studios under you, that then you just struggle to get anything out. You know, you struggle to get things done, and, you know, resources then are kind of being stretched, and then, you know, certain teams then maybe can't do what they want to do. Uh, that does kind of worry me in terms of the the kind of landscape of gaming that Xbox now has, because if they could actually get stuff out on time, woohoo, they'd be a bit of a force. And we know what happens with uh, Sony when um, the development studios aren't pulling their weight. They get cut, and they get cut in the most horrific way. I, I feel with Microsoft, they may just be keeping these developers on board and under the umbrella so they can say, hey, we've got all these studios. But ultimately, there's no games forthcoming. So that needs to start happening really now. Yeah, I mean, well, there is, there is quite a lot of games coming out this year. So hopefully they hit and not get delayed or anything like that. I mean, obviously, I don't worry for, for Microsoft, so I'm not 100% sure. But they, their goal is to try and have a big tempo game every quarter. So they do aim to have four big exclusives every year at least. Uh, and yeah, they have got a lot of studios. I yeah, I mean, hopefully they, we get some the new, new, a new Crash or a new Spyro or anything like that. And they actually go into the Activision vault and get some stuff out of there. Because all Activision have been doing for the last three or four years is Call of Duty. So it would be nice to actually have some more variety coming from Activision. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, hopefully Redfall hits in the summer because that's the goal that's coming out summer and then we have Starfield at Chris, uh, uh, winter and hopefully Forza Motorsports in there as well so fingers crossed but we all have to bring me on at the end of the year to see if any of those games came out so uh, fingers crossed. I love that you're already inviting yourself back onto the show so I can't wait to the end of the year when you're back. 
Brilliant. Um, well, I was just going to ask, and uh, I think I brought this up last time you were on the show. I'm still waiting for Wayne Gretzky's. When's that coming back to the Xbox? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> he had to drop it in, didn't he? He fucking had to drop it in. What a deep cut. What a deep cut for the podcast. Jesus Christ. I did. It was actually on the Bethesda like announcement trailer when they they bought it. They had Wayne Gretzky on there, and I was like, "Oh, Phil would like that." This is exactly what. I, whenever I see that now, I'm like, "Oh, Phil would like that." So, yeah. Well, leaving Wayne Gretzky and his legacy to the side, have you guys got anything else you want to discuss before we bring this topic to a close? Yeah, quick question. Just want to throw out. Um, we've talked about how this acquisition as- affects Sony, but does it affect Nintendo in any way? I know you guys are pretty big Nintendo guys. Lewis, behind you, you've got you got a massive uh, Pokemon um, uh, poster. I know you guys are pretty heavy in the Smash community. Um, obviously, they're not Activision Blizzard titles, but does does this acquisition affect um, Nintendo in any way? I can say not really at all. I don't think there's been a Blizzard game on Nintendo, maybe ever. If so, it wasn't a big title or it wasn't well. And Call of Duty used to be on the Wii, but it hasn't been since maybe Black Ops 1 or 2. So I, I don't think any of Blizzard Activision's games were on Nintendo anyway. Didn't Crash come out and Spyro? Was that not on Nintendo at some point? Oh, the insane stuff was, yeah, but I mean, it's not their biggest seller. It did pretty well on PlayStation when it came out. Insane did really well because obviously they, it came to that platform first, didn't it, for a while because of the legacy that Crash has. Um and it did really great. It did great there. But um, I, I, th- I think when uh, Toys for Bob, which I think is the studio who did it, when they uh, followed up them with um, doing Spyro um, and getting some of the other some of the other ones, they didn't sell as well. And I know the newest Crash game didn't sell anywhere near where they thought it would do, uh, which is a bit of a shame because you know Crash is an OG. Banjo Kazooie has just come to Nintendo uh, online, so there's possibilities that Crash and Spyro could still come to Switch when Microsoft acquires them because Microsoft and Nintendo seem to have a nice relationship when it comes to some of these type of games. So it's a possibility that it makes no difference whatsoever, and we still get Spyro and uh, Crash on the uh, Nintendo Switch. So I think that is so much worse. If Xbox have these titles and they're like, "Oh yeah, Nintendo, yeah, you can still have them," Sony, nah. That would be so much worse than just having it as an exclusive because obviously Sony and Nintendo hate each other. So if if Xbox are doing that, that is bad blood, I think. Well, I think you've you got to think about it logically is that the two people that are, gonna, that are eating the same lunch and fighting for the same tray of food here are Microsoft and PlayStation. Nintendo are off just fucking, they're skipping in the street. They're doing whatever the fuck they want. They, they're literally on a totally different echelon from everyone else because they literally they they're just putting out games that look like ps2 games and people are going crazy for it you know people are only just now complaining about the water in the newest pokemon game i mean come on there hasn't been a good looking switch game in the words of vince mcmahon you got to do what's best for business so if you can get the game selling on nintendo then why wouldn't they do that Maybe that's where they prop it up from taking away all the games from Sony. They push more stuff to Nintendo because of that existing relationship. So you know you're saying like Nintendo has their own 
they have they do their own thing on their own off on the side and they're not sharing the same plate as xbox so do you think if xbox keep munching up all these companies and take all these exclusives all these third party games away from playstation do you think the playstation could survive as like a boutique like a premium brand with just their exclusives do you think that's something that they could do do you think they could have their own third branch where they basically do their own thing away from xbox and away from nintendo i think it's a really good really good question actually um really really good yes i think they could um i don't think we're going to get to the point ever where we're going to get everything kind of taken away um i can't see that you i can see the big big players now at this point i can see them buying ea right like i i can't see that being off the table now and and that would obviously make a massive difference at what point does monopoly rules come into play you know at what point do you have to really start thinking about they own too much of the market space in terms of game devs and how much are microsoft willing to put on this xbox gamble which they've been doing because this, the whole point is 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 clear as day for anyone to see. The whole point of all this is to is to make Game Pass a thing. That's the entire reason for this is to make it so that Game Pass becomes its own kind of force. And so far, even with the Bethesda purchase, it hasn't been. Twenty five million subscribers is great, but it's certainly not going to be recouping the cost of Game Pass. Certainly not. And if this deal doesn't inflate those subscribers to be like over a hundred million. Can this can it really even break even? Probably not. I mean, you think about how many years that Netflix lost money for before it started making money, losing billions and billions and billions. At what point do Microsoft then say, do you know what? This is going the same way as that fucking Zen. Whatever it's called, that little music thing, right? It's going the same way as that. We're gonna cut that out. We're gonna stop going down this route. You know, Phil Spencer, we've given you enough years to try and make this a thing, and it hasn't worked. I can't see them making too much now in terms of major purchases unless they start seeing the return in investment i think the governing body needs to put a cap on it like they've got in football they basically stopped man city and now newcastle spending all the money and buying all the best players they need to do the same thing within the video game industry now and say microsoft just calm down for a second let's see what happens i mean that won't happen unfortunately because of tencent uh Essentially, they will. Microsoft can buy as many companies companies as they want because they will be like, we need American, American companies to take out the Chinese uh, Tencent, and they will let them buy as many companies as they want. And they are, as you said earlier, the third biggest company, games company in the world, even after buying Activision. So, how can you be a monopoly in your third place? What what you said about uh, about could they survive, right? I'll, I'll take it back to the hypothetical which you actually said, which is could Sony survive being a boutique item? And yes, I think they could because I think that their exclusives stand on their own. I think that their exclusives are a level above anything else in the gaming industry. I, I really believe that. And taking my fanboyism out of it, I honestly believe the experiences that you get exclusively on the platform are miles better than you can get from a third-party game or from any other system. I honestly believe that. Now, Nintendo went that route for a number of years. Nintendo went that route from the GameCube all the way through until the Switch. And it actually didn't do them very well. Apart from the Wii, which is an exclusion to this because it got every grandma buying that and 
carnival games. That was about it they bought, though. The attach rate was terrible for that console. I think it was a, a 3.0 attach rate, which is awful. You can't survive like that long term. You need to be able to get your 30% cuts from games coming in. And unless Sony come out with the plans for Spartacus, which have been heavily rumored for a long, long, long time, that reality wouldn't last PlayStation very long because they certainly wouldn't be getting the revenue in to be able to support the exclusive content that they make currently to the level that it actually is. And that then starts impacting your bottom line because you're not then seeing the return on investment that you're putting into your studios. You don't have that kind of that capital there as a safety net for when those exclusives bomb. You think about the PS3, we had games like um, Starhawk um, and you had like um, little, little Big Planet prehistoric moves and, and you had Haze and all these different games that really didn't move the needle too much. But they were really nice for the wider ecosystem and they really added a, a lot of breadth into, into the overall portfolio. As soon as you start seeing that return on investment not be recouped through other income streams, you then start seeing it just be a case of every couple of years you see a God of War, every couple of years you see a Horizon, every couple of years you see an Uncharted, every couple of years you see Last of Us, and that's it. Because they don't have the funds there to be able to experiment in newer genres, like with Dreams or... Fucking Dreams. You know, things like that though, right? You, you just don't, you don't see that return. And, and so I, I can't see that being a long-term a long-term business plan. I think their best strategy to be able to fire back would be going down the Spartacus route. And I think on that note, it's time for us to end this topic. Lewis, thank you so much for coming back and joining us on MPS We Trust. Listener, I'd love to know what you think about this. What are your thoughts on the acquisition? Do you think this is something for Sony to counterattack by? Should they or should they act better than that and not buy up Capcom, as everyone's saying on the internet? Write into the email, pswetrust at gmail.com. You can join us over on the Reddit. The URL will be in the, in the description. Um, I'll, I'll be inviting Potato Chief on and we can have a bit of a ask me anything on there, I think. That'll be a good way of uh, sort of introducing this topic live on Reddit over the next couple of days. So we'll have a bit of a chat on there, shall we? And of course, you can reach out to us on Twitter at MPSVTrust or any of our individual Twitter accounts, which will also be in the description below. It's sad to see Lewis go, but it's fun to watch an Xbox guy leave. So we are back now, the Holy Trinity, the three best boys. We are back now to sign off this podcast. This has been episode 35 of NPS We Trust, a PlayStation podcast. I really hope you've enjoyed listening to the conversations that we've had today. We've covered a lot of topics. And I think we've had some good stuff today. I think this episode is worth a five-star review on Spotify. And of course, anywhere else you listen to the podcast, make sure to put any reviews on because it really does help us. And we do appreciate everything you guys have been doing for us up until this point. But that's it. Time for our show to go away for another two weeks. I've been Davey. I've been Phil. And I've been Spencer. Take care. Peace. In PS We Trust is hosted by Davey, Phil and Spencer. You can write into the show via our email, pswetrust at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at inpswetrust. To find each of us online, follow our Twitters at ssjdavey at philiphoy at spenpie underscore. Thank you for listening.
Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. See ya.